Hey, what's up, everybody? Dan Tom here with the Protect Your Neck podcast. Apologies for the impromptu intro. This will be another rewind episode uh, for uh, what is a slow week. Uh, not a slow week for me. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into it, obviously. Just some personal stuff, as well as new puppy doing well. Thank you. Uh, house repairs, all that fun stuff. Wasn't able to book you guys and do a proper top five. But the good thing about doing these top fives is they bank. And a lot of them stay pretty dang relevant, and they're really fun to revisit. Like this one, which was episode 95, originally recorded on September 27th, 2018, with Connor Rebush at Boxing Bush, who, as you know, is a fight analyst who I, I respect a lot, uh, and hope to have him. Was hoping to have him on here sooner, and I looked at how long ago since it's been. But this was a great episode we laid down. Of course, you could find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush, and he does his own podcast, Heavy Hands, which is a great podcast. I suggest you check out if you haven't already. He's got an awesome co-host there, Phil McKenzie, is a is, is a guy who uh, another guy who I'd I'd love to get on here for a top five. But uh, yeah, and before we get to that, I uh, just wanted to give shouts to some other uh, uh, proper shouts to some other uh, quality analysts doing some work out there. Um, Kind of have before in this show and and even on my Twitter timeline. But if you haven't, you know, before, check out thefightsite.com on Twitter at fightsite.com spelled out. Uh, Michael Fidel, who I've given shouts on this program here before, uh, does work for them as well as Ryan Wagner at Ryan A Wag MMA. He's been doing some awesome like historical retrospective deep dives on people's careers, like Jose Aldo. George St. Pierre, which is one I checked out and shared. Uh, really good stuff from Ryan. Go check him out. And it just kind of, you know, it's really inspiring for me. It really reminds me kind of of just um, why, not so much why I started doing this, because it really was by happenstance, albeit really making sense when, when you know my story. But, um, but like early on, you know, especially for anybody out there and asking to break in the business and especially if you are somebody who is doing something, always, you know, find a niche and whatnot. But if you're, especially if you're doing something more content creative side, like quote unquote fight analyst, if you will, um, what you'll find is when you're starting out getting your feet in, whether it's like upstart sites or like, uh, hardcore sites like bloody elbow, whom I respect. I know I work for junkie. That doesn't mean I can't give other websites, respects and shouts. The great thing is you get a lot of, uh, especially if you know how to, how to apply it, you should get generally get a lot more create uh, creative freedom. Um, then when you, you know, you got more kind of uh, corporate bosses and, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of writing to a majority audience or, you know, all the other kind of dark, dark and dirty secrets that kind of, uh, uh go with it again, uh, not, uh, not, uh, not, 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 not throwing sh shade at anyone or myself. Uh, I, I have a great, uh, I I'm lucky enough to have a, a great, uh, website to work for a, a good editor in chief who always, you know, uh, was willing to work and, and have me shoot ideas are always encouraging creativity. So, and I've got some things in the bank that I definitely am going to be trying to shoot your guys' way. But as far as long form stuff, obviously, uh, I've tried to tighten that up and you don't really see so much of that. So I particularly enjoy, I guess is what I'm trying to say, when I see these other sites really just kind of launching or slinging. Obviously, The Athletic really specializes in that. They've really grabbed, you know, from top tier talent whom I respect. Um, they're great reads too, but I just really love these deep dives into things. And, and, and so I wanted to give, give, uh, the fight site and Ryan Wagner a, a proper shout. Uh, we're going to push right into the episode here. This is supposed to be a question and answer segment, but I swung and I missed terribly twice. And I have no one to blame for that, but myself, because again, 
when you put out a product that you're not particularly proud of and you're not that consistent with it, albeit in three years, I think I've only like missed five or six weeks, folks, uh, to my credit, to my defense. But uh, that being said, I, I completely understand. Some people only listen to the show for the top five programs. I don't blame them with all the other bleed through, whether it's personal or otherwise. And and ranting, probably a reason why I could use a co-host. Either way, uh, a strong argument that, that that maybe Dan Tom is better with a co-host is when I co-host with other people who are just very seasoned, like a, a Connor or we have Jordan uh, on here. Uh, plenty of the co-hosts. Matt's great one, Slip and Dip Podcast. Go check them out. But uh, but yeah, um, boy oh boy. So I I I, I apologize and, and appreciate you guys sticking with me. And also again, even though we didn't get a participation on the questions. I, I still see you guys giving the podcast shouts, and honestly, that like means the most, and that's the most richest currency you can get out there. I know I always talk about the iTunes on it with the PayPal donation at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com that hosts this program, but if you just do things like Mike Knoll did, at Mike Knoll one I, I didn't know, I didn't really get too deep in the thread, but someone was asking for a technical analysis podcast, and uh, Mike Knoll tagged the Protect Connect podcast at the PYM podcast, by the way, if you'd like to share, follow, do the same, it helps. Um, so I appreciate the shit out of that, man. So thank you guys. Without further ado, we'll be back next week for UFC 246 on a Wednesday earlier than my normal Thursday. Um, we'll be keeping the breakdowns short and sweet. We'll be coming back with top fives, all that good stuff. I will be stepping up my game, leaving the excuses at home. Uh, albeit the swear I recorded, but yeah, <laughs> leaving them off the podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy top five hook KOs with Connor Rebush. The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top 5 Hook KOs in MMA with special guest Connor Rebush. As you'd expect, we went deep, folks. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Up, you savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts' work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we like to break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to attempt to do here today. But in a different way, this is a top five episode where we pick a theme, and today's theme is top five hook KOs. And, well, who better to have for hook KOs or really anything boxing striking, face punching related than Connor Rebush at Boxing Bush. What is up, Connor? Who better indeed? Damn, your intro is so much more dynamic and exciting than mine. Your style is putting <laughs> me to shame right now. That sounded great. Even even with my crutchety old voice, it, it was managed to... <laughs> Oh, and it just has character. It's like hearing Tom Petty sing, man. All the notes don't have to be perfect. Uh, Very happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And yes, it's a fun topic. You gave me um, a couple of options, and I can't even exactly say why, but something about uh, watching a bunch of people get their shit wrecked by left hooks uh, pleased me and tickled me. it happens to be like my personal best punch, I think, and a lot of my favorite fighters and favorite knockouts throughout history um, stem from that technique. So it just seemed like the right move. 
But yeah, by the way, speaking of uh, left hooks and Connor's love for left hooks, I left out at the intro. Uh, he writes for such places like Bloody Elbow or BadLeftHook.com, and of course, he has a podcast that if you're not already listening to, you should already be listening to it. Shame on you. That's heavy hands. <laughs> so just wanted to throw that in there. But yeah, thank you. Uh, and, and, and thanks for coming on again. Just re- real quick before we get to this awesome topic. Speaking of the crutchety, uh, crutchety voice, hopefully it cut down on the. <laughs> Cuts down on the cheese a bit, but no, honestly, uh, apologies, guys. I was just telling Connor, uh, I, I uh, my voice got up and walked away. You know, people listening to the radio show probably noticed this the past week, but hopefully, it comes back soon. You know, somebody who's like, "Hey, don't you talk for part of your job?" I'm like, "Yeah, thanks for reminding me that." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to dispense whatever vocal cords I have left to dive deep into this topic with. Uh, with guests that I, I've honestly, uh, again, I, I, I love your work. I'm not just saying it because you're here, uh, Connor, but uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening follow and appreciate your work as well. So, so let, let's 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 save the uh, let's save the dick sucking as Harvey Keitel and Pulp Fiction would say, <laughs> and let's get to it. Well, thanks. Before just before you you stop the dick sucking, I should say thanks, and then we <laughs> now let's move on. I probably picked the wrong time to take a swallow of water, by the way, as you said. That was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst, worst time for a water break. Right there. Um, oh. All right. So, so you know, again, you know, you, uh, you, you can get creative on these lists as possible. I'm not just saying this to, to you, Connor. Obviously, this is to the, the listenership, to the anybody listening in on this podcast who doesn't already know. Um, there, there's no hard lines. There's no right or wrong answers. When we say top five, it's not – what is the best five period? Because then we would just be at each other's throats and or coming up with the same lists. And that's not really that fun. Um, kind of like uh, you said, Connor, in a conversation we had, it's your list. So, you know, yeah, uh, we're going to celebrate that today. Hopefully you did with your uh, admissions, which we're, we'll get to after the top five. It's at the PYM podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And now now I promise we're done with all the uh, all the plugs and sort. Um, Connor, I like to let the, the guests usually kick it off with their number five. Um, uh, whether it was rear hooks, lead hooks, shovel hooks, uh, hooks to the body, you can get as creative as you want. What ended up being your number five slot for your list? So I, I didn't, I didn't go for. I'll just kind of give the the theme I had in my head before we we dive in. Uh, I didn't, I didn't go for any liver shots. All right, so nobody gets really excited. I didn't go for left hooks to the body um, because to me. That's probably for your future top five when you ask somebody to rank the five best liver shots, right? Very smart. Um, very smart. Yeah, I went for the classic left hook, or in the, as in the case of the one southpaw on my list, the right hook. But um, a lot of the early suggestions I saw when you were like hyping this topic on social media and whatnot was like uh, they were all talking about like overhand rights. Yes, yes. And that is like. <laughs> Which it is a hook yeah. of sorts, but to me, like the left hook is such a subtle punch with a, with a lot of different uses. It's the perfect companion to the right hand. It's also a perfect companion to the jab. It's a natural counter. It's a sneaky shot that tends to deliver some of the most shocking, like instantaneous knockouts as a result. So, um, my first example, my first pick, number five, I guess I should say, my fifth pick is um, maybe one of the earliest examples I could think of where somebody really played off of that MMA expectation that it's all about the overhand right. 
and that is Dan Henderson knocking out Vanderlei Silva at Pride 33. Nice. Um, Hendo's right hand is obviously the the H bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get in trouble if I don't say it at least once. Uh, is his famous punch. But anytime I look at Dan Henderson's fights, uh, I'm reminded of uh, what Archie Moore said before he fought Rocky Marciano, which was Marciano had essentially the same reputation, although admittedly the Susie Q is a much better nickname than the (laughs) H-bomb for a right hand. But but he said everyone talks about his right hand, but it's because people are so worried about it that I think his left hook is really his killer punch. And here we have uh, like the exchange that ends this fight. Both guys try to trade right hands and Vanderlei Silva uh, can't really think that well past that point. But Dan Henderson has the left hook coiled and ready to go and just hits him with an absolute stunner. One of the most devastating left hooks and uh, from a guy who isn't exactly known for them, but it's a great one. That That's awesome, man. I, uh, I got to jump in with you here. This is going to be, I, 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 my gambles, I think that there may be about two crossovers at, at least on this list, and this is this is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad it made your list, and I really I really appreciated those comparisons in particular. But uh, people who know me know I'm a sucker for uh, for this fight. It's one of my I, I call it one of my top five favorite fights of, of all time. Just same. Just I love this fight. I don't know what it, what it is. Maybe because maybe we're, where we were at. Uh, when we saw, I don't want to speak for you. I have no clue where you were at, by the way. I'm just, just kind of throwing a dart out there, but, but, you know, uh, I know depending on when you got into the sport, I should say kind of has a lot when you're, uh, com- you know, uh, commiserating with uh, fellow fans, if you will. Yeah. But this one uh, had a lot. Definitely. Unfortunately, I'm always ashamed that I, I never went to this one. It was in my backyard and I even had friends, uh, shout out to Joe Suzuki, who actually now lives in Japan, went to this pride, uh, Went to this Pride show, uh, Pride Thirty Three, and um, and yeah, I mean they kind of they kind of I'm sure you can comment on this too, Connor. They kind of blow it up a bit in the uh, uh, in the commentary as far as like uh, oh my god, like they make it sound like the Marilla Bustamante uh, defeat never happened and the Crow Cop knockout never happened. You know, with the way uh, they're like, oh, Dan Henderson is the first person to. But mm-hmm. what did happen? What was meaningful was that he did he did end that 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 t- title run, which was. The longest title run uh, in Pride history, uh, you know, uh, for what that's worth. So this one has a little bit of of that narrative because uh, some picks, you know, even the, the, this one, which obviously rightfully so should, should focus on on the techniques. Some of it also kind of has, you know, depending on who you are or, or what you want your list to be, but it has to have a little bit of narrative to it as well. And this one for me had a lot a lot of narrative to it. But more to the, uh, you know, the technique side, yeah, it is. It, it is kind of ironic though. The the guy so known and so stereotyped for his right hand, um, one of his most arguably impressive, title winning, important uh, in his prime, all of the above. You can kind of check off these lists. Came from the other hand, and this is what I really w- want you to comment on. Uh, comment on Connors, where it, it, it's it's a right hand left hook, right hand left hook, if memory serves. Uh, my recent rewatch of this fight serves where Dan Henderson hits him. And usually you can kind of, uh, in your head, if you know what you're watching, you kind of anticipate the left hook coming after the right hand. Like, uh, for example, I'm not going to say which knockout this was because it may come up, but there was a heavyweight knockout on the UFC where someone throws a right hand left hook and Goldie almost says it right with the, in real time goes, 
boom. Like he's like calling out for the com- <laughs> combination. Credit to Goldie. He just knew what was coming. And when you see it, you know what's coming and it, it misses that right hand left hook, but they decide you watch their feet and they decide, no, I'm going to stay for more. Yeah. You almost start cringing. You're like, okay, this is going bad now for somebody. Now this is really going bad. Did, did, yeah. did, you, did, you, did, you, did you get that feeling a and B is this a kind of a great example of that for this exchange? Oh yeah, absolutely. It is like, uh, maybe it's because I've seen it so many times now, but there's a sense of inevitability as soon as they try to exchange the first set of right hands. Um, I, I think, I don't know if, um, I was, uh, I don't think I saw this fight live. Like, I don't, I don't think it quite connects me for that reason. I just really like this fight. I, I like Dan Henderson, but to me, like, uh, this, this will probably reveal what, like, an MMA hipster I am. But, like, technically, uh, it's a cool kind of middle ground where, like, Dan Henderson seemed – I like Dan Henderson's style a lot because he seems really crude to a lot of people. And it's really easy to assume that he is a chin with a right hand attached to it somehow. Um, <laughs> and, like, this fight shows, like, there's some – there's some craft there. It's rudimentary craft, but this is MMA we're talking about, right? Yeah. And especially at this time, like, Vanderlei Silva was the undefeated champ. Yeah. So, like, not undefeated, but, you know, the long-reigning champ. Um, and was, like, an absolute brawler. And so just with, like, the bare essentials of technique, like, when I throw my right hand, I can step forward with my right leg and use all of that weight I've loaded up to come back with the left. Yes. Uh, when I throw each punch, my head is going to move off the center line so that I can exchange a lot more safely, safely than the other guy is exchanging. You know, it's not really an exchange for Hendo. He's not getting hit by these shots. Vanderlei gets touched at least by a, a couple of them. So I just really like uh, it's it's like one of those earliest examples I can think of of like one of the primary uses of a left hook which is to complement your right hand. If the other guy's worried about that, the left hook specifically takes advantage of the openings created by their overreaction to the right hand. Yep, yep, no, 100%. And uh, I just remember, like, you know, your commentators get really excited when they can really sell out and say, he's got knockout power in both hands. And that was just <laughs> one of those classic, like giving the, all the fodder, uh, you know, for, for the, uh, for the commentators that, that fight. And, and just kind of a quick add on, uh, to the beginning and to the end. And I've kind of talked about this before. It's one of my, it's, it's my favorite, uh, production wise. It's one of my favorite pride fights for me, Connor, uh, from, from mm. the way they sandwich the fight in the sense of the intro is great where it's like, uh, you know, just shows Vandalay Silva just murdering people, like a really, you know, say that with a, their version of a Jaws kind of a theme. And mm-hmm. then he goes, the ideal American. And it's just, you know, Dan Henderson, he's, they go, like, hey, you guys. And Lemmy Hart doing the hey, you guys. And Dan Henderson's just, you know, doing bow practice in his, in his ranch. Like, it's it just, <laughs> and then when the knockout happens, like, tell me, after the knockout happens, is this not the fastest turnover from when a fight is signaled to the end to the, the Fetty starts coming down like it was a really fast turnover like I feel like I feel like Vanderlei wasn't quite even like steadied from the fall that he just took and Confetti's already hitting him <laughs> it almost feels a little disrespectful to their long reigning champ right <laughs> <laughs> It, it really does feel like everyone in the building was just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also that classic, like, whenever I think of that classic pride ending and stuff, which, by the way, how awesome would that 
you know, any awesome moment you have in life for that just to happen, that would just. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't know. You don't, I don't even, I wasn't even there for most uh, as a fan for, for like much of the pride era, um, was not actively watching for it. And even so when Alistair Overeem came out to the pride theme at UFC 203, where I was there live, man, you just get hit with some powerful nostalgia. Oh. Both the the oh. intro theme and the the music after someone is <laughs> myrtleized is perfect. <laughs> perfect word, by the way, myrtleized right there. Thank you. I'm a professional broadcaster. So uh, I am not, though. However, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna think out loud here for a second. And since we had some crossover, uh, I'm just gonna usually, like I was saying, Connor, we'll usually switch off in the middle, and, and listeners to this podcast usually know. But but I think we're gonna have a quite a bit of crossover. So why don't we just roll with the flow? And since we both double dived on your number five um i'll go ahead and lead off uh i'll go ahead and and, and just give my number five and then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll that way we'll keep the flow going here yeah sure um my number five boy uh i came across this one because i was initially researching the recipient and i i'll just leave it at that because i'm sure he'll, he'll come up on uh somewhere someone's list uh down the line eventually but uh this one was uh this one hit me by surprise, and it shouldn't have, because when I think about deadening KOs, when I think about your classic lead, left hand, left hook, knockouts, and I think about, again, kind of the narrative, the fandom, where you were at the time has a lot to do with it, right? You were watching this live, how mm-hmm. invested you were, and this kind of hits all those check marks. This was Sam Stout versus Eve Edwards at UFC 131. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this... Uh, this one was wow. Shout out to Brian Schoonover, um, uh, my best bud who's been on this podcast before. This would probably be his number one. Um, this one, I remember, he was just, he couldn't stop watching the, uh, the gif of it when it happened. And we're big, we're, we're big Eve, Eve Edwards fans, you know. Uh, me, you know. Who isn't? Uh, yeah, I know. Who isn't? Who isn't? And, you know, especially listeners of the podcast know I'm, uh, I definitely have a bias, admitted bias toward lefties and southpaws. I'm, I'm a right handed southpaw myself, so it, it's given me a, a real appreciation for different stances and, and styles and so forth of just seeing, you know, guys at the top of the heap and in MMA and at the top of that, like a Eve Edwards, you know, t- taught me so many lessons as far as, you know, Southpaw trap setting footwork um, and all these things, you know, just it, it, go, going back and watching Eve Edwards fights was, was, was a real masterclass. But this one, Sam Stout hits close to home too, though, Connor, because, uh, I was lucky. Uh, I, I, I didn't know the man well at all by any means, but I was lucky enough um, to uh, to know and, and take some classes under Sean Tompkins, who at this time, especially, uh, there was an extreme couture connection that was really strengthened. Uh, I trained out, trained out here at extreme couture in Las Vegas, and of course, Sean Tompkins uh, transplanted out here. Really helped Randy get things going and stepping things up, and he brought a bunch of his guys with him, of course. So we would see Chris Wardeski and. Uh, Mark Hominick a bit, not as much. Uh, he was more m- m- uh, more splendid to Canada. But uh, mm-hmm. Sam Stout was a guy that came out all the time, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, I remember watching his fight, you know, fight before Joe Lozon going, oh, Joe Lozon's going to get him. You know, of course, I'm a fanboy Joe Lozon at the time. So, But I remember then watching Sam Stout bringing all these really good jiu-jitsu and wrestler guys. And just he wasn't even striking throughout his whole camp. And I'm like, holy shit, 
he's actually getting he's getting pretty good at this. And then sure enough, Sam Stout comes in and all of a sudden he has takedown defense for that fight, right? Mm-hmm. And he was kind of hitting this renaissance uh, in his own career, if you will, because he came over from kickboxing, so he had that additional miles. And uh, it was great because there's so much, you know, and, 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 and I definitely want your comment on this, Connor, but there's so much talk about different, differing opinions on outside foot awareness, right? Uh, for the open stance matchup. And there's a lot of truths to it, but you can argue some things are overinflated. Um, that being said, uh, Sam Stout actually achieves the outside foot position on him. And I like this because it's a reminder. Um, and, and this is something that I feel, uh, and I don't want to cite other examples because they may be on, the, on someone else's list, though not on mine. But I feel when the left hook from an orthodox fighter lands on the southpaw, it's almost more devastating because... At least the only thing I can gather just from speaking on my own limited experiences is that, again, with that trope of the outside foot awareness and controlling that outside angle that we're so used to having to achieve that in the gym and subsequently in competition as a southpaw, it almost is like a false sense of security where you're like, oh, he's not going to get that. I'm more worried about his power side. Oh, I'm maneuvering. I'm stepping out. I'm pivoting. Like, I own this side of the exchange. This is, And when someone actually, when you actually realize that you don't or the time mm-hmm. comes in the exchange where you don't, it, it almost feels like those left hooks are more devastating effect. P- pick up for me before I keep ranting on this, Connor. Am I, am I hitting on anything there? I'm enjoying the rant. I, for me too, like uh, uh, I, I agree. I think uh, oftentimes the the hook is the killer punch in a in an open stance kind of matchup, you know, southpaw versus orthodox. I think it, it. I mean, it always has a lot to do. Sort of like my Hendo example with the expectation that both guys are going to be focusing on their rear hands. Um, but there's also the fact that like. Uh, just because of the sort of geometry of those two stances colliding, it's really hard to see coming. Um, especially when you have that outside foot position, it tends to come from sort of completely behind your own shoulder. Mm. And that's really, really the case in the stout Edwards knockout. Like Eves is pulling back. He's trying to get out of the pocket. He, I don't think he sees that punch coming at all. Yeah. Uh, until it come, sort of swoops over his own shoulder at the last second and cracks him on the chin. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was already coming out of a dipping shell. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Even then he still didn't see like it was coming over and, and stouts from his post fight interview seemed to pick up on that. He said, he, I love the, the, the more over overhand angle to my left hook when I'm facing mm-hmm. a lefty, it works so well. And, and, uh, and I was kind of setting up a little bit of the narrative section of the left hook there, but, uh, it was it was a reminder that when you look at that, it was you know his his best knockout in the UFC for sure, Sam Stouts. And you look after that, he he was never the same, and that was his last fight, of course, uh, with the late great Sean Tompkins. And a lot of those guys, for people following the sport, uh, remembered that a lot of his guys went on a real bad run after that. It was really kind of hard mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one, that one always kind of has a weird um, soft spot uh, in my heart for that, and again for the open stance matchups and and uh, and just kind of a, a reminder of the other side to things. I I thought it it made a it made do for my number my number five. But uh, all right, Connor, unless you have any more thoughts on that, you can go ahead and and uh, take us into your number four. 
All right, boy, I should have really thought more about the rankings. Can I just say these are essentially in two tiers that I, I essentially just picked what my favorite one was. And then everything from two through five is tier two. And then all of the honorable mentions are tier three. I did the same thing. The only one that stood out clear to me was my number one. And the ironic thing about, about that is my number one yeah. is one of those where I know it's going to, it's, it's, it's probably going to be on your list before that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. I got to choose carefully now then. Hold on. Let me look at these. No, no, no. But I, I don't mean to deter you by the way. I just, saying like it's it's one of those picks where it's like uh it's a pick where i would imagine it being on like 90 percent of people's lists mm. but i would imagine it being number one on maybe one percent of people's lists if that makes sense mm. it's one of those weird right. picks. <laughs> like, yeah i'm not i'm not deterred at all i'm wondering if i okay. can spoil it as soon as possible all right, uh, all right. let's see if you well, can get see. my battleship out of the water it's like battleship <laughs> now guys it's top five and battleship yes <laughs> uh, okay i'm gonna go with one that if we were basing this purely on aesthetics, like if that were the metric I was going mostly by, okay, uh, might be the number one because it is an absolutely perfect counter left hook knockout. Mm. Uh, it's also a guy that, and this is why I think it's possible it's your number one. We'll see. But it's a guy that if we're talking about left hook KOs, I think it would actually be a punishable offense if I didn't include him in at least one of these spots. So this is Paul Daly. Knockout over Scott Smith at Strike Force Henderson versus Babalu two. Nice. Yes. Yeah. This, you gotta this, have this Paul w- Daly, right? <laughs> you do. This was not my this was you, you missed my battleship, but uh, right. <laughs> it's it's kind of a relief, you know. I, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it all. I, I I will say though, you, you did you, you did hit my number four. So this it's it's kind of I don't know, is that is that more of an accurate hit? Because you, <laughs> We're on the same one, so I'm, I'm at a loss for one. words right now. I'm like, no. So please, how about this? Uh, you set it up, sir, and uh, and uh, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll jump I'll jump in at the at the apropos time. Oh, uh, any time is apropos, especially because we're going off the same exact number at the same time. This is great. Uh, this is great. <laughs> so again, like Paul Daly is MMA's premier left hook artist. Right. It, it is, you could say. The only thing he does really well, um, there are a lot of holes in Paul Daly's game, but uh, the fact that he has destroyed so many people with left hooks, I think is a testament to how good he is with that punch because everybody knows there are holes in Paul Daly's game. Not that many, surprisingly few actually managed to take advantage of them. And that, that does include like, um, to a point like guys like Nick Diaz really struggled with Paul Daly's more or less one dimensional uh, fighting style. Um, this one is maybe not the most impressive resume wise uh, of any of the knockouts. It's, it's Scott Smith who it was a blast, but um, probably isn't going to make anybody's top 10 pound for pound all time lists. Um, and was like just before the end of his career, essentially, or, or the last slide, but aesthetically, this to me is one of the most, one of the like a picture perfect ways to make a left hook effective. It's Smith comes sort of stumbling forward. He's way too aggressive for his own good. Daly pulls back and like mechanically, that's what makes the left hook such a good counter punch. It's, you know, like, um, the uppercuts are great counter because it's hard to see coming and uh, people tend to duck low when they're getting aggressive and they lean forward and all that, but you can get nailed doing an uppercut and it takes a lot of really good timing. Uh, a left hook 
works while you're pulling back and even while you're taking an angle. That wrenching of weight from front foot to back is part of what makes the punch powerful. It's also what makes it such a good counter because like you can give ground while somebody is walking into the punch and still knock them flat. And uh, this is a knockout like that. It is an instant single punch. Never saw it coming out cold. Um, so it's got to be on the list. I, I love the, yeah, I, I, I'll definitely uh, touch on that, that left or right part uh, or right to left, depending, you know, what, 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 what stance you're operating from or what you're doing, which, which direction you're moving as well. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was one of the things when I went back to rewatch this uh, at first, I, I was like, I was, I, I forgot that he landed like, Depends. There was one that wasn't too clean, but he lands like four or five le- left hooks before that. Yes. But, <laughs> like I said, it's it's really his one thing. <laughs> yes, and and it's great because amongst the many like rewatches where I'm going back to count or going back, and now I'm going to go back and watch watch this. And I'm sure we all have our own weird little processes where, where when we really want to kind of hone in on an exchange. Um, but then I'm I'm working my way down uh, to the feet now, and it's funny watching the lead up, just watching his feet up to the lead up of that, it, it, it's almost like, and, and I, I know you can relate to this with, with your experience, uh, both in sparring and drilling with boxing is, but it almost feels like he's drilling in a class where either it's a rope drill or maybe even you're working with pads, but the emphasis is more on your footwork. It's a more focus with it, with it, with it, with the trainer in front of you, but it, he's mm-hmm. almost working that drill. Like, okay, we're going to come forward. Uh, you know, te- teaching that footwork that you're talking about. Okay. We're going to come forward, put our weight here and shift it back as we step here. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to mirror. We're going to, repeat our steps but we're gonna go backward with it now and then, like mm-hmm. it almost felt like he was doing that at a slightly uh higher beats per minute of course but not ridiculously higher beats per minute it, right it, it almost felt like oh yeah there it it's is. very very textbook picture perfect left hook footwork um it's 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 a it's a piece of footage that Luke Rockhold could probably afford to watch several <laughs> times over to uh, to correct those little details. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert! I think I think that, 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 that that's an easy spoiler alert. Yeah. As much as I love uh, uh, Southpaw, uh, South you know, Southpaw right hooks, uh, Luke Rockhold will not be appearing on my list. <laughs> Although the left hook that uh, famously ended his championship career mm-hmm. could actually maybe be on there. Yeah, yeah. If, in the same theme of uh, in the same theme of my number five, but uh, but yeah, no, that was. Uh, but that's number four, though. That's a great number four. This this is one of those ones where I knew it had to be on my list. I just didn't kind of know where. Yeah. And you really could justify it a spot anywhere. But this was Strike Force Henderson versus Babalu Two, uh, yeah. December of 2010. Wow. Yeah, like I said, aesthetically alone, it could be anyone's number one. It is a. It's just a beautiful knockout. And just seeing a guy that looks like Joaquin Phoenix go face first into the mat, you know, it's pretty. <laughs> You know, especially at the time when you're really ignorant, you know, friends who follow the sport and be like, dude, Joaquin Phoenix tried it. You're like, really? Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the doppelganger game. But uh, Do you have some pent-up feelings about this new Joker movie or whatever, Dan? Is that what's no, no, I, what's I, coming I, out now? I, I uh, No, man. I, I'm sadly such an old man that, like, you want to know what's on my, my list? Like, I have, I, have a, I have a movie that Zane Simon assigned me, like, last year. Uh, that I still haven't mm. gotten to. Uh, amongst uh, Deadpool one and two, I'm really behind on the old comic book anything, man. I'm, I'm still, oh, yeah. I, I've turned into such an old man. Like I have, I have a crazy movie collection in the movies my whole life, but these last four years, of MMA has, has, has taken over. <laughs> when I have free time now, I'm like, I don't want to watch a screen. Bro, I don't, I don't 
I don't know how any human being alive could possibly still care about comic book movies. That's my genuine opinion. Like, how can you get excited for them still? I, There's so many. This is this must be like you're you're like the kid from from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory who's really into westerns, and it's like the fifties. It's like, dude, it's played out. You've been doing westerns since 1923. You know, like, how can you possibly still be this into them? I give it up, bro. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't take from me bringing up the Joaquin Phoenix Joker thing. That's just my sad attempt to be topical. I really don't know anything about it. I uh, no, no. I you want? I was gonna say, you know what's sadder than that, Connor? I, I was actually thinking when you were like, who enjoys it? I'm, I'm, I was, I, you actually made me think about what was my last enjoyable experience in a hmm. movie theater with a comic book movie, and it was actually. What was that flaming pallet garbage? What was it called? The fucking uh, they used Queen Bohemian Rhapsody for the uh, for the trailer, and it was it was terrible. But it, Suicide Squad. Yes, it was so terrible though that it was a good time. Like, I was I was audibly laughing with some of the lines choices. Yeah. and how bad it was. Like I was like, this is awful. I'm glad I'm inebriated during this. <laughs> I probably should see that one. Yeah, I could I could take that better than mediocrity, right? It'll it, it'll be like. Uh, uh, it, uh, another podcast you're, you're, you're a part of it'll be like the MMA depressed us, but for for comic book movies, suicide. Yeah. Well. that's what it'll be like going back and watching that for you. I, I, I can see it now. Oh, I'm gonna love it. I can tell already. Hey, uh, not only am I a terrible podcast host, but I'm also a a, uh, a terrible uh, Asian. I, I, I my, my math was off, and uh, my math was off, and uh, yeah, I already I already burned my number three. So Ooh. I don't um, what's up? You, did you quantify yours? Did you like have criteria that you scored them on? No, 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 no. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Asian. I meant, I meant uh, doing my mental math on how to stay, stay, stay abreast of the flow when uh, uh, with the crossover. I haven't had crossover in a minute, so uh, yeah, I think I think I did something in the pattern wrong. So in other words, even though you just went, is what I'm saying is you're probably going to have to go again because oh, uh, no. my, my number three was uh, was Hendo versus Vanderlei two, which was your number five. So. So let's let's shoot it. Sh- sh- the, the ball's back in your court, sir. What is what is your number three? All right, I, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Cub Swanson knocks out Ross Pearson at Great. UFC on FX4 Maynard versus Guida. Um, of course, we all remember that one for the main event, but this to me is one of the best counter left hook KOs ever. Um, it's a genuine boxing style check hook, which. You really do not see very many of those in MMA, even different than the like uh, textbook pivoting left hook that Daly hit Smith with. This is exactly the kind of check hook with which uh, Mayweather knocked out uh, Ricky Hatton, where Swanson actually falls out of his stance, steps back with his lead foot and sort of throws a left cross across the space that was like just a moment ago occupied by his own body. And it's like, it's perfectly timed, sort of like the Daly Smith one. He, like, pulls the perfect footwork seemingly out of his ass despite, like, a really <laughs> weird exchange that takes place just before where he, he tries to kick Pearson. With, uh, he tries to catch him with a front kick to the face. Yeah. Pearson awkwardly catches his leg on his shoulder and just keeps barreling forward. Cub pops him with his right hand, gets just enough space to get back into his orthodox stance, and Pearson, like, pretty justifiably is like, okay, this guy's out of position. He's not going to be able to pick up on this. And he's against the fence, uh, flying knee. And 
as he flies into the air to attempt that technique, Swanson just perfectly times it, falls off to the side and catches him with that left hook, and, and he just falls flat in his back. The look of stunned disbelief on Ross Pearson's face as he, like... <laughs> lies relaxed against the cage it perfectly encapsulates what a good punch it is what, what is that about left hooks that create that because i was thinking about I, I was having this thought that started from i was just thinking about the mechanics of why some of the most picturesque uh why, when done right it, it looks so picture more picturesque than maybe other shots you could deliver on somebody mm-hmm. uh and you think of the natural oh well somebody moving into the shot or this or that and then you start you know countering well i mean somebody could move into a cross by by but what is it that makes and then eventually, I guess I got, I got to the thought of what the person that is victimized by the hook looks like and kind of what you just said. You don't really see that. Like guys either go out cold or they're kind of confused or their eyes roll back briefly. Like it's pretty black and white when somebody gets leveled by a cross, a counter cross, an overhand, right? But a mm-hmm. left hook, it, it, there is there is the body deadening effect, but also you're just you, – the scrambling in your face visibly trying to crawl back to some sense of knowing what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Like remember when Golovkin got hit or when uh Curtis Stevens got hit by Golovkin's left hook, the I, look on his face. Oh, if you don't know it, you got to look it up yeah, right now. That one. I got, I got, I got to look that one up. Yeah. It's just, a, just look up Curtis Stevens face okay. and you'll find it on a million boxing message boards. It, but it's, yeah, it's absolute stunned disbelief. Like what the hell just hit me? I don't know. I think, Maybe this is probably reading into uh, what is probably not even a real pattern <laughs> too much, but it probably has something to do with like what makes the left hook such a good natural counterpunch. Like you just don't see it coming when you get hit by a good left hook. Your 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 eyes are focused straight ahead. You're looking at the right hand. You certainly don't think the guy is going to be able to fall off completely out of your line of sight almost and still catch you with a punch. Yeah, that's gonna... uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I know. Yeah, I, I I didn't put the name to the face for whatever reason. I yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know that yes, face. Yes, you yes, must have seen face. it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah, and 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 good of you to bring up a boxing one because I was going to bring up another one, but it might not not burn one of mine, but it might burn one of. One of you. One of yours down the list, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Not seeing it and just seeing that, you know, the reverse engineering on the victim's face (laughs) that they didn't see Mm -hmm. it. It's just again, it's like you don't get that from head kicks, right? You don't get that from (laughs) right crosses or anything so much, but from the hook, it's 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 one of the you know, it's just there. By the way, we had a uh, we had Hanato Moicano in. uh, in the studio today, and it was great because he's he's really trying to expand his his English and get better with it. He's got mm-hmm. the, the thick Brazilian accent, but uh, he was talking about Cub Swanson and and wanting to fight these guys and talking about the balance. Like they're the, he, he, it's all out of respect, of course, but he, he's talking about the balance of their legends and their this and that. But because they're legends, they have so much tape you can watch. And he's mm-hmm. like, I know all these guys, I know all their habits. And he was and he couldn't really like express himself, so he started doing like a pantomime of Cub, Cub Swanson shadow boxing. Yeah. And I'm, I gotta say, it was pretty fucking spot on. Like, if we're playing that game with guess that fighter, and you have to, you know, pantomime it, like it was really fucking spot on. I was like, Jesus, you, you are, uh, you're making a hit list over there, sir. Maybe you learned from Anderson Silva, <laughs> great greatest fellow fighter impersonator of all time. Yeah, yeah. I right? think there is probably something to that, right? Like fighters, uh, you know, like Joe Rogan says it all the time. Like such and such fighter, if you just watch them in silhouette, you'd be able to, to identify them. But fighters must be able to pick up on that, like. Uh, pretty easily that, that, that certain guys just have a signature way of moving. Cub is definitely one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just who, 
who wants to put the time down to it? You know, that, 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 that's, that's the question. Most, most fighters, uh, obviously, as you know, when you talk to them, a lot of them don't like watching tape study. They don't like uh, mm -hmm. watching their opponents. They don't like watching maybe even fights when they're not uh, fighting and which I don't blame them, but, but yeah, it, sure. It, but when they do, it, it feels like it's, it's readily available, but yeah, mm -hmm. at least for, for them, yeah. for them, for the most part. But, uh, uh yeah. All right. Um, and you gave your number three, so we are evened up. Just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, all right, you know what? Why don't we take a break now, Connor, and we come back. We'll do two through one. We'll get the listeners' descriptions and honorable mentions, and we'll get on out. Thank God. I didn't pick my last two yet. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, on that beat, let's definitely take a break. When we come back, we'll do the rest of our top five. Hook KOs right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Cucarachas enojadas. Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for top five hook KOs with special guests joining me today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, Connor Rebush. All right, Connor. Well, because of my bad math, uh, I love how, like, by the way, you, you, we're talking again, peeling further, peeling back behind the curtain. We're talking before the show. And you're like, hey, what if we come up with the same ones? I'm like, it's fine, dude. Got to, got to. Crossovers normal. Got a protocol for it. Fucking here I am, losing. Where, where are we? Is it three? Falls apart instantly. Five, seven. <laughs> Just fucking the class, classic Dan Tom. So um, since since you kind of had to go double back to back there a bit, uh, I'll just go ahead and kick us off um, for number two. All right. This is this is this is tough, man. I mean, it, it, it's. I kind of wish there was a top seven. I feel like I'd be I'd be happy with a top seven, but there was like two that I really felt bad that uh, I had to cut out, and one of them was actually in my number two spot, and it's no longer on the list. Um, did that before, by the way, but my number two now it's kind of similar to your number five and my number th uh, my number three in the sense of the recipient, and that's maybe about it. But this was one that I think. You know, there was a lot of confusion, like you, you noted earlier, Connor, about what a left hook is and this and that. I feel like this fight awoken many people, especially, uh, mainly, I should say, obviously, this MMA podcast, people watching boxing, I would assume, would know what a left hook is. But uh, MMA fans, I think this fight, really, the mainstream, or at least the mainstream at the time, and inserted deep into the lexicon, was at UFC 92, when Rampage Jackson, of course, knocked out Vanderlei Silva. You know, the, 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 the right block... Left block, roll, right block, left hook. And, uh, again, you want to talk about, you know, uh, uh, if anybody who's done, you know, uh, just some uh, semi-intricate mid session some, from someone that knows what they're doing or some, 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 some decent pad work, if you will, um, you could really appreciate that because he, he brought it within the chaos. It was their third fight. Of course, they're fighting for a fourth time. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on a little Bellator 206 on the way out of here, folks. So don't worry. We didn't forget about that. But this was their third fight, of course. It happened in the UFC. And... Uh, this was a version granted of Vanderlei Silva where you could argue, I think he was making that transition, not just from the ring to the cage, but 
where he was kind of becoming, you know, start, starting to counter a lot more. Uh, we were starting to see that, maybe not in that fight, but this is when he starts, starts to kind of make that trend, whereas Rampage was a much better fighter from their first two fights. Uh, you credit a lot probably to Juanito Perez in that, in that little gap, at least for that time period. And uh, he took those skills and, and, and made them count. Got, a, got an extra shot in there as well. But this was kind of just a classic left hook, uh, classic uh, reaction to a left hook with the way Vanderlei Silva fell. And uh, everything leading up to it, it was pretty nice, although it was very, very short uh, lead up. Yeah, God, like Sherdog was insufferable so for so long after this. Like that, I think you're right. Like it was like an introductory moment. Like, oh, counter left hook, and like honestly, yes. the fact that it came off of a block, like a catch and pitch kind of counter, didn't see. We hadn't seen a lot of those in MMA up to that point. So if you were not familiar with boxing, like this probably looked like a very revolutionary type of thing. But man, it was like weeks afterward. People on Sherdog were like, "Oh, the intricacies of the crazy monkey defense where you." And I'm like, "Oh Jesus!" Oh. I, yeah, they came up with all kinds of names for what I would just call a catch and shoot or a catch and pitch left hook counter. You but for, you forget that you forget that that's still uh, going on. And oh yeah, and I, I take a special homage or uh, homage, not an homage, but I guess I made the right word. But uh, I, I definitely relate to what you're saying too, because again, like people in this podcast know, I, I came from the traditional martial arts background. It was. It was that attitude of knowing and know-it-all stuff that kept me from getting into stuff like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, you know kickboxing and, and Muay Thai uh, sooner than uh, I you know probably would have gotten to it sooner. But there was a lot of lot of those attitudes, and it's funny you forget about it. Except you just reminded us all there the infamous message boards, and, and I, I I was on Sherdog back in those days too. Uh, I really wasn't a poster enough to own, earn rank. I would more just kind of watch the posts. I was too dumb to to contribute. Uh, <laughs> it, it, Internet-wise, you know, figuring out how to work the board and all that stuff. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that that was a, the talking point. That's all right. Don't look back to those days because I was an insufferable know-it-all on those boards too. So <laughs> don't don't go don't go seeking that out. Yeah, yeah, seeing it. Yeah, yeah, seeing the the dark the dark sides the dark times those are the dark times. <laughs> um, but but I mean I, I feel you know remiss. This was one I kind of argued uh, again, uh, uh, pretty open and just internal dialogue allowed here uh you know in case you know sometimes i think now like okay in case this is one you know am i picking this for other people because other people see the list or are you picking for yourself and i'm like no no when we 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 decided on doing this topic when we were talking about narrowing down the topics and we decided on this one this this was honestly one of the ones that that came up to me first and for those reasons i said so it it earns a spot on my number two because it's just burned that deep in um, Mm -hmm. into mine and many people's heads i feel Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just a good, it's a moment of a technical history in MMA. It's mm-hmm. just like, Hey, if you can uh, know that the guy is probably going to go right, left, right, left, and just cover up and then hit him with a tight punch. Yeah. It's a great knockout. Yes, sir. All right. What, uh, what ended up making for your number two? Cause I, it sounded like we were similar where our number ones, we, we both sound like we were pretty set, but two through five, we really could have put any numbers and still been pretty, pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, not going for like historical importance here. They probably get uh, well, maybe not. They they may get more more personal favorites as we get towards number one, um, and so perhaps let less expected. I don't know, but uh, I think I mentioned this one to you when you uh, we were first discussing the topic. I had to go with Eves Edwards. Uh, we've already noted he's one of our mutual favorites, mm-hmm. knocking out Jeremy Stevens at UFC on Fox yes. Five. Yes. 
Henderson versus Diaz. Uh, I think, I mean, I love Eves Edwards. He too was like in an era of very rudimentary technique standing out, looked remarkably slick compared to most of the other fighters that you would see. Um, he was kind of, to me, like MMA's original smooth southpaw. Uh, and this still stands out today, right? Uh, even now, Jeremy Stevens has only ever been stopped twice. And the other guy who shares that honor now with Eves Edwards is Jose Aldo himself uh, with another one that could easily be on anyone's list of top yes. five left hooks. I just didn't go for body shots. Yes, sir. Um, it's the only time Jeremy Stevens has ever been actually knocked out. Mm-hmm. And not by a guy, I mean, Eves Edwards definitely a dangerous striker, but if you were watching that matchup at the time, you definitely weren't thinking, boy, Jeremy's got to be really careful coming and swinging like this because he's, you know what I mean? Jeremy was the guy with the, the heat in his hands and it's just an absolutely perfect counterpunch. Uh, and again, technically, because that's the kind of nerd I am, it highlights what makes a left hook so tricky because Eve gets his head out of range, even as right. Jeremy comes at him with a right hook, um, off the rear hand and Eve's counters with his own right hook off the lead hand. And even as he's got his own head out of range of Steven's wide, right, he's still connecting with his right hand perfectly on the button. Yep. Um, just falling back off to the side, very tricky, and and a and a totally like precision kind of punch. It doesn't look like a knockout punch until it lands and you look at Jeremy Stevens' eyes immediately roll back into his head. Also, the follow-up elbow that finishes the job is savage as well. So yes. honorable mention to that shot. Yeah, they list it as, you know, TKO punches and elbows, which I'm sure upon your research for researching a lot of these, most of the time when we're you know, especially if you're looking for that ideal, quote-unquote, picturesque finish. It's usually yeah. KO punch, it'll read as, for a left hook. Um, was, so that kind of surprised me when I went back to see that. But this one was the one that uh, came to my head first. We, 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 it, I believe it was amongst ones we were mentioning when we were kind of bantering back and forth about the topic. Mm-hmm. But, Connor, yeah. you sunk my battleship. This is my number one, sir. This is oh. – you got it. You got it. Your last bullet in the chamber, and you, you made a good use of it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Before we got Perfect to number day. one, that is. And uh, no, no, thank you. This great, great description, great setup for it. But, again, as Eve Edwards being one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Southpaw, he's right up there with – it's hard because he's definitely my favorite more technical southpaw but if I was like you know just ranking fighters in general all time maybe Jim Miller just edges him out for for a couple other non-southpaw related factors obviously yeah uh, obviously Eve Edwards a more technical man but uh but yeah that, it, this shot especially it is I I, I feel like uh, an ass just kind of always bantering on about it whether it's in my writing or on the show but but it, it the check right hook is a southpaw is the punch you cannot leave home without. You know, it, 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 it's the equalizing punch. When you don't have power and athleticism and the other guy has power and athleticism and knockout power, you know, the, the check hook is still just as effective. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's one of those. And again, when you're playing with the distances of the intricacies of, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's an effective and fundamental punch. And when you really break it down, uh, just, you know, le- uh, if we're talking about left hooks from an orthodox stance in general, counterbalancing, you know, or, and obviously the same goes from an orthodox stance, counterbalancing with a right hook in that case. Yes, that all makes sense. But the check hook and the check hook from a, a, a open mirror stance is definitely a weird specific range that, 
again, maybe this is me kind of speaking uh, uh, back to the point where this false sense of security Southpaws have, and maybe I'm I'm exclamating my own my own take on that here, which is to say that. I feel like that that punch, you know, I feel like I could get hit with a left hook from an orthodox fighter as, as me being a southpaw, but I feel like check hooks, it felt like a range and a read that just played and maybe I was also more of a uh, more of a more of a counter puncher and counter fighter in general, so that has a lot to do with it, but it just felt like a more of a range comfortable and I learned you can appreciate this Connor cuz I learned I learned things such ass backwards, right? Like Mm-hmm. I, 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 aside from martial arts movies, I actually really grew up watching boxing uh, earlier. Julio Cesar Chavez, my dad's best friend, was a Mexican guy. We'd go over to his house, watch all the fights, and subsequent later on, the HBO fights, which sad news, HBO announced its departure from boxing, not to timestamp this episode today. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, I grew up watching that, you know, the early, early Tyson, Peter McNeely stuff, Riddick Bowe, uh, all those early, early fights, but, uh, I really didn't, you know, train boxing until after, X amount of martial arts, right? It wasn't until I started getting into mixed martial arts where I started getting into boxing classes, boxing trainers, etc. And as a southpaw, you're forced to learn a lot of shit orthodox, right? And you have to do the math yourself, unless you have a good, mm-hmm. good, good coach and a good teacher. But even some good teachers, which I noticed, they like uh, even like ones that would coach pro fighters back in the day. Who uh, I just I'll leave names out. Would be like they would get mad at you. They'd be like, oh, I fucking south lefty in the room. All right. And, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of your... That, doesn't that just tell you why so many Orthodox fighters look so ill-prepared for southpaws? Yes. And, like, everyone yes. everyone leans on, all you have to do is get your foot outside and you'll win yes. the fight. It's like their coaches are literally resent... It's like they, they see it as cheating. Left. They see it as cheating <laughs> that you use fighting in an opposite stance. That's... That's ass backwards. But anyway, sorry. Go on. No, 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 no. Please, anytime you want. And that was, and it that was kind of a just you know behind behind the curtain feel there. And the good thing about that is it made me kind of fight from both stances, and that's kind of another tangent. But it was funny. It made me learn things backwards. So to parry a jab, which is kind of the basic, you know, where you're going to start from with a lot of your combination work in a class, you're going to learn mm-hmm. how to jab, parry a jab, and you're going to, they're going to, they have to teach you that because that's going to build on all the other exercises and, and flows they can get you doing. And you parry, you know, with your rear hand, obviously orthodox versus orthodox in a perfect world, you're going to parry with your rear hand. And I didn't understand, and I, I would get yelled at for parrying because uh, I was just, uh, you know, I would uh, do parries with my lead hand and almost do uh, wing blocks, what we called it in, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Kenpo Karate you, in, in Kung Fu. You're blocking with your elbow and you're kind of you're doing a lot of work. And again, that's more from a bladed stance. So the one hand can be delegated in that sense. So I, I got quickly brushed out of that hobbit. And I was, I was really trying to learn boxing. I wasn't trying to. I was one of those assholes. Where I'm going to bring my Kenpo Karate. Like I, I knew that I could probably stay safe. And, and, and do better if I went, but I mean, no, I'm going to learn boxing, right? I'm going to learn how to box. And sorry if I'm tangenting here, but in that mindset, not only did I, of course, get my ass kicked um, mm. more often than not, but I would have to learn things from that stance. And it was funny. I, I, I got in this thing where even when I was southpaw, Connor, I would be afraid to pair uh, at first, of course. Uh, I would be afraid to pair you with my right hand because I was trying to get that habit out to where guys would kind of do that pawing jab, you know, they're pawing their left jab. And you know how, uh, how guys, they'll meet it with their parry. They'll tap it. They'll yeah. meet it. And I would just meet it, usually southpaws meet it with their left hand. I would actually meet it with um, my rear hand. And when I did that, I'm like, okay, this feels out of place because yeah. me reaching across, now this guy can just eat me with an overhand, right? That was my immediate yeah. thought. But then I go, wait a minute, um, I, maybe I can use that to bait something. So, so every once in a while, I would paw and reach 
with my rear to get them to commit. And when they commit with their right hand, I would swing back, swing my head out of line, into the, and, and they would come right into the – their momentum would carry right into that check hook. And it was a really ass-backwards way that I completely ditched, by the way, uh, fast. But what it taught me was that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There's a natural trap here. Uh, for the check hook as a southpaw that I, I, I'm not seeing this whole time. Uh, and, of course, you find out more, obviously, better ways to set that up. But that was my ass-backwards way of learning that a, 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 a check hook, when someone is committing to the right hand, is the best yeah. time to throw. And I, I, that was a really long way of going to say that last sentence. But that is why— uh, No, I like it. I like the context. That is why—oh, thank you, sir. And that is why, I guess, you know— um, I resonate with that pick there, obviously, being my number one, Eve Edwards versus Jeremy Stevens, because it's that perfect example where he said not only is he hitting that short hook, but then he's getting his head to the outside. And what I love about it, it's so good that when Joe Rogan's doing the post-fight speech, Eve Edwards completely misses the question and goes, sorry, I missed your question, Joe. I was just looking at how good that looked. (laughs) And you could not blame him at all. It did not come off cocky. One percent at all. It was completely deserving. Like that's fucking smooth. You, you take that one to the grave. And it came, mind you, it came uh, a couple fights after I believe that Sam Stout fight that was on my list. So, yeah, and it was it was Eve's last win um, as a pro. It was it was it was like the end of a rough stretch for Jeremy Stevens. But considering what Jeremy Stevens has gone on to do at one forty five, and considering the fact that. Uh, all of us Eves Edwards fans remember the the really disappointing and hard to watch last few fights of his career. Um, that was his last win, and it was it maybe one of his most impressive and perhaps one of his very best wins. So perfect. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, if you know, we're only talking. We're only relegated to talking about hooks. But just to even give kind of a further context of how much I, I love this punch, it it, it like if. We're talking about, uh, you know, kicks and other things like really the check right hook and maybe a left kick or a a left hook to the liver would be its only competition. Like a check right hook is probably my favorite strike if we're just talking about striking techniques across martial arts. It's just Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite strikes. I just I love the punch. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I just, you know. I, I also, I mean, I, I did mock it before, but I do resent southpaws as a rule. So it's got <laughs> to be the good. left hook for me. It's That's why I, I only had one right hook on my list. And you know what the fucked up part was? I, my, my rebuttal every time, like, I, yeah. I hate going against southpaws too. <laughs> well, yeah, you probably, probably hate it <laughs> which, more than I do. Which was the funny thing, which was always true. And, and it, would, it would instill this apologizing thing where you're switching up partners, especially when you're like switching mid rounds, where usually your first partner for the round, someone you were drilling with, someone you have a rapport with, a friend in the class or whatever, right? The practice. And, yeah. But then you have to kind of switch mid rounds. And then there's that thing where you're like, I'm sorry, man, I'm a southpaw. Like, fuck. And <laughs> and uh, you also have to apologize. Or like, and then if, you're, if I was training like with, you know, amateur team or, I didn't train with pros that, that often at all, but in those very rare cases, you always got to be courteous if a guy has a fight coming up because you're not going to make him fight out of stance. If anything, I'm like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to get my ass kicked this round of sparring, but I'll go orthodox because you need you need the work, you know. So it, you almost develop like a courteous thing, like asking people, "Hey, man, is it okay that I, is it okay that I'm brown?" Like you're, you know, that's what I'm essentially asking you. Like, is it okay that I'm wired the way that I'm wired? No, it's not okay. Yeah. No, your hands are wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, it almost it almost makes me feel sympathetic for South Poles if they if they weren't so like fa- infamously effective, but. It is true. Like nobody understands how to fight a southpaw, including most southpaws. 
Uh, and so, like, you just get a lot of misplaced resentment from uh, from people who are unfamiliar with that stance. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's 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 so funny, especially like when you're actually like a southpaw versus southpaw matchup, and you land like something basic, like a left cross, and you're like, oh, "There's that striking lane they've been talking about all these years." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just so. Much. Even, yeah. I mean, I can I understand how to. I would like to say I understand how to fight a southpaw intellectually, but. Anytime I've been asked to do it, I, I've not been particularly proud of my performances. So, yeah, it's, it's, and that right hook is a is a motherfucker. It really is. It's not fun. Well, with no further, I think we paid that one enough respect. Do you want to close sure. us out here, Connor, with your number one? What, 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 what made Mister Rebush's number one? All right, my number one. Um, this might be one of my. It's it's up there. I wa- I've rewatched this fight at least once a year since it happened. Um, almost certainly more than that every year since. This is Mark Hunt knocks out Stefan Struve at UFC on Fuel TV 8, Silva versus Stan. Mm-hmm, nice. Uh, the premier leaping left hook in MMA history. Mark Hunt to me is like, all right, he, this, this isn't a fair comparison because he never did what, what this man did. He never accomplished this much. But he is like as close as MMA can get to a Joe Frazier. Uh, you know, he's got his, he's even got his like interesting little shell defense yes, where he'll just yeah, like, it's a great comparison. Just, just show you his forehead and, and cover his body and just sort of roll with the shots. The way he separates from clinches even. Yeah. Yeah. But, but nothing compares more favorably to, to smoke and Joe than that leaping left hook <laughs> on a much, much taller man. Uh, and of course the walk off afterwards is oh, man. the piece de la resistance, but it, it's, it's such a good punch. I also want to, I do want to highlight the shot that comes before it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cakewalks him into a right hand. You, yeah. did, I don't know if anyone, if any listeners know what a cakewalk is, but um, it, it was a move that, I mean, a lot of fighters do this. It's, a, it's one of those slickster moves uh, that if you watch a lot of American boxing, you've seen, but uh, I think it was Jersey Joe Walcott who named it. Uh, and if you've never watched Jersey Joe listeners, is that uh, you should. From? Wow. Okay. I think so. No, I, I, I don't know, so I'm not, that's all. That, that's, I, mean, I think so. That's the first example. The era, right? That sounds about the era where things yeah. like that are getting named and coming about. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jersey Joe had like such weird, uh, erratic footwork, uh, just like constantly stepping in and out of stance, bizarre rhythm, but like never off balance, was always timing you, sort of like uh, like Emmanuel Augustus esque in his time, but. Um, uh, it, when he would cakewalk, uh, he would just turn his back to you, basically, and cross his feet. So if I'm in an orthodox stance and you're in an orthodox stance and I just turn to my right and step with my left foot, now my feet are crossed and I've essentially turned my back on you. And I do not look like I can do anything. And if you are most fighters, you're going to charge me uh, and try to take me out. And then... I'm going to continue moving away as you begin your charge. I'm going to step with my right foot so my feet are more parallel to you again. And as soon as I plant that right foot, I'm going to spin and throw a big looping right hand over the top and let you walk right into it. Uh, Jersey Joe was really good at that, but it's exactly what Mark Hunt does to Stefan Struve. A much slower version, maybe, (laughs) but because he's also dead tired at the moment he does it. But I love it. I don't know. It's like it's like some James Tony shit too. Like he's exhausted. He he looks like he's just being absolutely lazy, but it's like a perfect veteran kind of setup because 
you may think the veteran looks like he's out of position, but he's a veteran for a reason. He's still yes. ready for you to come charging in. I love uh, your description of the cakewalk, by the way. You're right. We don't hear it, if ever, right, uh, as far yeah, as MMA yeah. goes. That, that's something I only can recall really hearing, hearing in my limited, uh, my, my limited boxing, uh, boxing lexicon. But it's much better than my description, if you would have th- uh, asked me what it would have been, especially in this instant, where I would have been, Mark Hunt essentially looks like he crossed his legs and stumbles into a warrior <laughs> one. Like he's the out-of-shape guy about <laughs> mid-vinyasa, and he kind of just... Let's his weight take him to the position and has to just balance himself yeah. there. But he's smart, and he, he simultaneously shoots out his right hand when he does it, though. So it works. Yeah, it's, it's a real, like, it's a real, like, if I, if I go and say, oh, well, this is actually a cakewalk, that's sort of like the, the no, crazy monkey that. shit. That, that, that's another reason why I, 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 I enjoyed and, uh, you know, was hoping you picked this one as far as us bantering for topics because uh, you explain things very well, both, uh, you know, verbally and through your writing, and I, 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 I promise I put the the dick sucking away in the beginning of the podcast, but but there it is. Uh, that, that was part, oh, part of my on, plan here. Part something. of my plan here was was to get, <laughs> get get some gems out of this, like this for you, Connor, and for the listeners. Again, yeah, stuck, you got to remember they're stuck with me here, dude. All right, like they're only <laughs> this is a rare treat for them. So I mean, no, no. I, I mean, I just don't. I don't want to give the impression like it. I'm not trying to make you guys think this is just like this happens a lot when you do like uh, analysis type writing. Yeah. Is like uh, it's easy to give the impression like I'm not calling out Jack Slack here, for example, but I remember when he was talking about the technique behind uh, the left hook, another left hook that Junior Dos Santos knocked Stipe Miocic down with in their first fight. And he was like, oh, it's an open hand strike. And you could perhaps compare it to this open hand strike. But like also from another perspective, it's just a bad hook. Like it's perfectly timed, uh, really, really well done on, on knowing when to throw it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. a sloppy ass punch. And yeah, Mark Hunt's cakewalk sounds impressive. It's some <laughs> sloppy, exhausted fat man shit, but it's, it's very clever, sloppy, exhausted fat man shit. And that's why I love Mark Hunt, right? It's like, yes, he's never blown your mind with his technicality, but he always manages to surprise you. And he knows more than you might think when you get a one or two looks at him only. Well, well put. And I'm really glad you put this one on your list because when I said that Milos would be like seven, this was one of those sevens. This is, this, this will be, yeah. this is a, a top honorable mention, if you will, for me. It really pained me not to put it on the list, but I guess when I was rewatching it and really kind of having to split hairs, which you have to do in these lists, yeah. um, for, for, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe just the day it caught me on, maybe just either you do it next week, it could be my number one. This is kind of one of those kind of lists. Uh, so I'm glad you had it on there for that, but also because I wanted to share with you my favorite Mark Hunt left hook, and it's mm. not one that he got a knockout from. In fact, it didn't even set up a knockout. Can I guess? Yeah, I was hoping you would. Is it is it an MMA one? Yes. Uh, is it the one on Czech Congo? No, that was that did come to my mind though. As far as I wrote that on my list, I thought that I, I was going to maybe try to be hipster and go with that one as opposed to the Struve one, which I figured the Struve would be top choice, deservedly so. Uh-huh. Um, so I did think of that one, but no, it was actually in, in the first Bigfoot Silva fight. Uh-huh. And it was, I believe, either the fifth or toward the end of the fourth round. And uh, he's getting really pieced up on it. It was after the ground and pound assault. Mark Hunt already survived that. He survived the legs, the leg wobbly leg kick. Like he got really fucked up in that fight. Now that I think about it. Um, and it was after that. So it was definitely toward the end of round four or five. And he gets pushed up against uh, the octagon. And he, I think his back is maybe even like right square with one of the posts. Right. Mm-hmm. And Bigfoot's coming in and he's kind of, and Bigfoot's, they're both kind of fatigued. So they're, they're, they're slugging, uh, 
left to right kind of hooks, uh, feeler hooks. There, there's power to him, but he's kind of he's halfway between being tired but kind of feeling to see where that where where that where in the shell uh, opens up because Mark Hunt is shelling up, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a loose shell at this time, and then Mark Hunt just randomly just he looks just gassy. He has nothing in him, but he has this just random almost. For him, Tyron Woodley-like explosion, but if we put him up next to Tyron Woodley, it wouldn't look like a Tyron Woodley-like explosion. But for him, uh, considering he looked dead to rights at that point, he out of nowhere just explodes and wings just a left hook. And uh, deliver. And if he had more power, it, it probably would have, I, I would have imagined, or hoped to imagine, it would have even knocked the TRT'd up oh, Silva. But you know I just I'm watched about? it right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to find it as soon as you started describing it. Yeah. What, what round did that come in? Uh, fifth round is what I went to. I think okay. I'm finding the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, He's like sort of yeah. just like taking shots on the forehead. He rolls under one and just whack. Uh, yeah, he totally had. Yep. Roll, but again, kind of speaking to the using that body momentum. Uh, or we're just talking about with the Kate yep. Walk. He just knows he knows how to generate that from the most obscene places uh, for a big man. You know, and um, classic Mark Hunt just slinging meteors from his hip. Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely perfect classic Mark Hunt shit. Yeah, is that's my that's my that's my uh, hipster esque, if you will, favorite Mark Hunt left hook that did, never got much traction, but just one of the ones I always think of. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I did have some. I did have some favorites that weren't knockouts too. Like for perfect, example, perfect. Uh, please, you know, uh, please, please bring those up actually right now because while while Connor brings those up and gets into them, I'm gonna queue up some listener ones. Go ahead, Connor. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, should I go through a couple honorable mentions as well then? The ones yeah. that are knockouts but didn't make the list? Please, please. All right, well, the one I was just going to mention is the the knockdown that uh, Jose Aldo got on Chad Mendez in their rematch. Um, after Mendez hurt him with that dip, that level change fake yeah. to the uppercut, yep. and then ran yep. after him like crazy because if you hurt Jose Aldo, you better try to finish him, and then you find out why he had that urgency because like 10 seconds later, Aldo slips and, and cracks him with a beautiful left hook. Um, actually, I may be confusing it with the one in the first round. The one he knocks him down with near the end of the first round is where he kind of slips in this exchange. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, honorable mentions though. Let's see. I got a couple here. I actually had quite a long list. Cause as you said, it's hard to narrow them down. So I'll just quickly mention them. Uh, I'll start with the one that is not a left hand or Southpaw right hook. The only rear handed hook I went with is a very recent one. Uh, but a punch that I love and have rewatched many times because it's so sneaky and so cool. Daniel Cormier knocking out Steve Miocic. Nice. At UFC yes. 226. Um, and one that is very similar to it is uh, Hendo's knockout. Another left hook from Hendo. Uh, or maybe been a right hook over Shogun Hua in their yeah. third fight. Excellent. Uh, or their second fight where you get this sort of like, um, uh, I don't know, the, the way that Cormier sort of s- slips into the clinch, he gives up that underhook, and then he sort of, as he's making space, he sort of pulls Miocic off balance into his right hand. Yeah. And it's such a short punch. Like, he he talks about Miocic dropping his hands out of the clinch, but nobody would have seen that little tiny right hook coming, and certainly no one would have expected it to just obliterate a heavyweight. But uh, really, really great, tiny little sneaky punch. Yeah, what I um, like about the Hendo one, kind of just just to touch back on the, I think it relates to the Mark Hunt talk where you're talking about so Hendo, not not as big as Hunt, but you know the the, the age and riggediness as far yeah. as mobility limitations were there. So again, just a guy veteran knowing that if I commit this hard one way. Uh, how can I make this work for me as opposed to just having to absorb this motion, you know, uh, whereas 
so what I guess what I'm trying to say is, is instead of Hendo having to try to you know a good a measure of a good athlete is how you can move laterally and and, and bounce back into position. You lose that when you're like Hendo's age or Mark Hunt's size. Mm-hmm. So Hendo, I love how Hendo uses again in, in grappling or in clinch fighting. You or, uh, you use your opponent as the counterbalance. Yeah, and and you're like you know what it, it, it's super lazy but super smart at the same time. Those are my favorite moves as yeah, a same. lazy and non-athletic guy. <laughs> yes. Same. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I love like old fat fighters who still manage to do it every now and then. You know, I enjoyed that little <laughs> nog knockout last weekend. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Uh, let's see. I had a couple other picks. Um, this was, uh, and I wrote these. I'm such a friggin' dweeb. I wrote these all like such and such KO two, such and such. Like I'm looking at box rec or something. Short. short um, you have your own version of shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me. Uh, TJ, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say the one TJ Dillashaw over Cody Garbrandt in their first fight. One of my favorites. Uh, sneaky little great. combo, getting off to an angle, and sort of similar to the Edwards uh, Stevens one. A perfect counter to a big overcommitted right hand from an yeah. orthodox fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great one. Uh, it, it shows those lanes in that exchange for sure. I just want to interrupt your flow if I will. And then we'll, since you, you can keep your list queued up for sure, but I'll just, I'll just, uh, we have a little bit from Twitter, a little bit from Instagram and Facebook, just a couple from each I'm going to do, but just to, just to balance it out here. And of course, please comment on the, the listeners list here as, as, as I go. Uh, so we got, uh, Desru at Desru. Not sure these were all hooks, but I'll let you guys tell me Hendricks versus Fitch. He puts on there. Hendricks versus Campman. Rashad mm-hmm. versus Chuck. And Franklin versus Chuck. Franklin versus Chuck is maybe the only hook on there? Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> the other one. That, that, that was my count, too. The, 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 I know Rashad versus Chuck definitely isn't. And even I didn't go back to watch the way Hendricks threw it to really dissect it. But I read those as overhand lefts to me. I mean, yeah. I kind of, that's why I kind of classified it as winging wild man. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you could probably justify it for sure. I, I definitely ain't complaining. Those are those are great great knockouts for Johnny Hendricks. Oh yeah. Um, and as far as just great knockouts in general, recipient and all that. Um, also from Twitter, uh, <laughs> this is one again. Uh, I saw this one come up a lot. Henderson versus Bisping. This is from uh, Brooke McDevitt at Bud McDevitt. On Twitter, did you see that one come up a lot for people suggesting things to? Yeah, and and again, that's that's H bomb territory, man. I mean, maybe the yeah. people think the H stands for hook. This is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is why I picked hooks, right? Is like you ask this question in MMA, and everyone's like, like MMA fighters, <laughs> they only know what a right hand is. <laughs> right. And, and I don't mean to disparage the listeners by reading these off, but I think it's <laughs> I, I'm reading them off knowing. Knowingly, because I think it's important for people listening. You know what I'm saying? Again, another reason back to why I was telling you don't hold back if you want to ex- explain stuff, explain it, you know, explain what you're talking about or any any kind of references. Because uh, this, uh, put it this way, it, it, this list shows me again. Not making fun of my listeners. If anything, it shows me that a I'm doing a very poor job as a mixed martial arts <laughs> podcaster. Uh, for my listeners are submitting the throats, and B, um, y'all should be listening to Heavy Hands. That's my takeaway. Uh, oh no, you, trust me, we get some, we get some questions for that show as well. Uh, you here, know. Here's a good one from a mutual friend of ours, Chris Rinney at Rinney MMA. Um, JDS Ivel Gilbert versus Gilbert Ivel. Um, that, that 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 was a classic. Uh, it didn't make my mm-hmm. list, but uh, 
Man, it was crazy to just see. Even going back, I remember watching it because I knew who Gilbert Ivo was before that fight. And then I was like, man, he really, like, at that point, it's, like, weird. Like, we saw it with Crow Cop, which, granted, Crow Cop was going on a skid, uh, right, obviously, on his down end. But mm-hmm. and that version of JDS didn't seem like guys were just, like, he, he had, it, it, they abused the Tyson effect. But he almost had that Tyson effect, it feels like, when guys were in there with him at that stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think of it now also because, like, Boy, heavyweights did not know how to box, did they? <laughs> no, no. We have seen JDS's the 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 depth or lack thereof of his boxing game exposed in more than a few ways since. But like being quick, having a jab, having a left hook, um, yeah, it is. That's a good shout. And shout out to Chris Reney as well, great artist, Combat yes. Wombat. What's up, baby? Combat Wombat, still legal yeah. in five states. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you want to you want to fire off uh, two or three more, and that while I queue up the uh, in, sure. Instagram blast of it. Cool. Yeah, I think I may only have two or three more on my list. Perfect. Um, this is a this is a total hipster pick, but uh, along the same lines as the Paul Daly over Scott Smith KO, aesthetically one of the best I've seen in MMA. Anthony Njikawani knocking out Roger Bowling at UFC on Fox Seven is a very short, yeah, very precise counter one, left hook. Like one of those shots where he hits bowling and bowling is rushing so hard into it that he like, they collide heads after bowling is knocked unconscious. Uh, he just instantly ragdolls as he runs into the hook. Um, I went with Takanori Gomi over Jens Pulver, a pride shockwave 2004. Uh, Takanori Gomi can throw hooks off of both hands. This one's a left hook. Um, but he also hit Jens without about a million right hooks. And it is kind of funny to think back. Like, um, I don't know. Gomi was always like a, a real slugger and a real brawler. It's not a surprise why his style caught up to him in the specific way that it did yeah, and why he, yeah. he, he went from being so scary to being such a like victim yeah. so quickly. Yeah. But man, when he was on, he, he was so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I love Jens Pulver too, like a, a real technician ahead of his time as well. I love that fight. I went back to watch it because uh, we did a top five lightweight winning streaks. I think was the last one we did for top, for the top fives here, and uh, I had Gomi's second run because he had two. He had the early Shuto run, mm-hmm. and then he had that Pride run, and that Jens Pulver. Just that, like going back and watching too. Like that was also one of the, and I, you know. I, of course, I it, it took my eyes of now to go back and rewatch it instead of of then. But that was one of the got to be one of those first like uh, not just high, higher level MMA striking matches as far as in t- participation, but where early body work was kind of a quiet factor. I feel as far as yeah, and, yeah. You know, if you look at the body work that was going on leading up to it. Yeah, Gomi, honestly, like that left hook that that puts Jens out is the icing on the cake, but maybe his best hooks in the fight are the right hooks he throws to the body over and over. Yeah, excellent body work from him. Um, It also does make you think, like looking at that, like, oh, I get why Nick Diaz beat him. Cause like he was such a reckless fighter. He was like, his arms were getting so heavy. They were still in the first round, but yes, yeah. so much fun to watch. He's a little lightweight Mark Hunt, basically. Yep. Yep. Um, I got one more if you want me to rattle it off. Yeah, before we go, go back ahead and to rattle the it off. Kevin Randleman knocking out oh, Mirko Krokop. One of the best Morrow uh, commentary. That could be I, oh, as well. Jesus. Put that pick. in my notes. Like this one is almost on here. It's it's not like Kevin Randleman's a great technician or anything. I mean, it's a perfectly placed shot. Yeah. Uh, but Mauro Ronaldo's call sends it over the top. He just loses his absolute shit. Uh, just screaming, voice cracking, 
Uh, and it's a great call, man. It was such a huge upset and such a huge shock at the time. And that perfectly encapsulates it, I think. Yeah. And some, some names, I think, Morrow just kind of just resonates better. Like, Krokop was one that just, it really hits you no matter what he said. Like, Krokop <laughs> is in the danger zone. Like, yeah. it just was like, it was, <laughs> oh, man, no, that's a great pick. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself for some of these not on my, my, um, my research list. You know, again, this is going to be one of those topics where you're going to get all over the place. Yeah. This one, Junkie Nation listener, I love my man, Raimondo Williams, shout out uh, on Instagram, but... I don't know if Raimundo's trolling me or he just listed his favorite knockouts because his <laughs> list is Evans Liddell, Gonzaga Krokop, mm-hmm. Rich uh-huh. Franklin, Nate Quarry, <laughs> Silva Griffin, and Nganu Overeem. Okay, those were all different. Overeem. I don't think any of those were hooks. Nganu Overeem could maybe qualify like if you... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you're one of those people who doesn't say shovel punch and just says either hook or uppercut and you just kind of flip a coin to decide which one you're calling it, then okay. But n- none of those are hooks. <laughs> and they're all different from me. They're like a vast. I love it. I love it. Yeah, like Krokop Gonzaga's on there. What the fuck? That's uh, a, <laughs> You couldn't even. Like, he's got to be trolling you or just misunderstood the question. Maybe. Here's one I want you to wax on while I, while I pull up the last of the honorable mentions. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to the last little tidbits before we get out of here. Uh, the other one that didn't make my, my list, I was probably that number seven, was UFC 120, of course, Carlos Condit versus Dan Hardy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. One of the most classic examples of throwing hooks at the same time for many people, like Scotty, people that follow maybe even boxing. Um, recently, I, I'm not thinking of anything that comes to mind. Of course, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, which other person is here on the show with me. But, but this is one of those classic examples. Now, can you maybe just get, get, give your explanation as far as, because I actually didn't go back and rewatch this one, but this is one I feel like was just been instilled in my head. Um, Hardy is technically the man, at least in when they're doing the slow-mo replay, is the man that technically lands first. Mm-hmm. But obviously he is the man that goes down when we have these two orthodox fighters exchanging left hooks at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say uh, don't hook with a hooker, but that rule doesn't apply if you're the type of guy who can get knocked down a million times in a single round by Jake Ellenberger and still win the fight. Carlos <laughs> Condit is just insanely tough. Um, maybe, maybe the best chin ever, right? Like he's up there. He is up there. He is up there. This guy's taking shots from Robbie Lawler and Jake Ellenberger and Tyron Woodley. Uh, yeah, but a real example of like, I do not like Carlos Condit's boxing technique, um, at all. Uh, he does not throw the better left hook by a lot of metrics, but he is just like, stone cold in the middle of an exchange with a guy who has been known for putting people out with his left hook, keeps his eyes on him and cracks him right on the chin and can just take the shot that, uh, that Dan can't take. Yeah. A great hook exchange and, and definitely one that I thought of, but then for some reason didn't include it among my honorable mentions, but certainly one of the most memorable left hook KOs ever. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely is. And it, it's funny, like Carlos Condit, you're right. I, I think Mark, Mark Hunt gets thrown in there all the time, kind of like as an obligatory, but you can yeah. really, um, you can, I think especially now, not even just now, but even before, I mean, there, there was the, the Manhoof stoppage, which, by the way, I, I put Melvin Manhoof, I wrote him going down my page sideways, because <laughs> he was a guy, like, if this was kickboxing, I feel like three of my entries would be Melvin Manhoof, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if we did left hooks and kickboxing, uh, <laughs> 
But uh, but yeah, um, Manhoof got him, and uh, I will say the guy that again I know surprise surprise I always talk about this fighter, but but, but rightfully so in this case I feel like the guy that will be right up there with him, and thank God because they tried to book Carlos against this fighter right after this fight with Dan Hardy, which was BJ Penn, and I'm glad that mm. fight didn't happen. That was uh, was I was very nervous. Mm. <laughs> even, yeah. back, even back then and that was BJ he wasn't like off the cliff yet you know what I'm saying but even back then I, I could read the writing on the wall but that's this guy does not need to be a welterweight right now especially a guy making his ascension toward the title it's not not great great matchup yeah just just being like literally unkillable um, and a bigger man Carlos Condit would have would have been tough for him you know like doesn't get tired you can't stop him. <laughs> he just keeps coming. And also he loves pain. So, uh, a <laughs> scary, t- yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. He loves suffering even more than BJ Penn did. Um, although BJ Penn only really ever loved other people's suffering. Carlos Condit enjoyed all different <laughs> brands of suffering. Yes. Yes. So, hey, on that note, uh, I'm just going to pause real quick. I'm going to use the sure. uh, little boys or my bladder is suffering. And we'll clean this up. All right. Dan's bladder has not gotten the best of the show. We're back to close it out with your, Honorable mentions. All right, just cleaning things up on Facebook. Again, real easy to add. At the PYM Podcast is the address for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I, I don't post much. I barely even post when the episodes are out because I'm, I'm, I'm a bad podcaster like that. So I won't abuse your feed, and your Same. ads go a long way. So thank you. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, John, John Rico, in no particular order. Carlos Condit versus Dan Hardy. Okay. We, Rampage Jackson versus Vanderlei Silva 3. All right. Mm-hmm. Connor versus Jose Aldo. You know, I almost ironically uh, brought up on uh, the, as my first pick. Mm-hmm. Remember the left hook that Jose Aldo knocked Connor McGregor out with? Oh wait, yeah. You would have heard, you would have gotten rid of uh, some listeners. No, I don't, think, I don't think I have that many people. No, it would have been I more of a sadness a... thing for me because because yeah. it did look like a really good left hook. If only he hadn't get knocked out in the middle of throwing it. Yeah, uh, Connor's shot there, not a left hook. To me, uh, in fact, to anyone, that's a left straight, right? That's a, that's a that's a. <laughs> I mean, again, again, it's it's tough because uh, as a southpaw, I, I, it's just for for me, it's like uh, I'm not trying to come off elitist or anything, but for me, it's like a you know the inside it, it, uh, the inside cross counter or a check right yeah. hook. I mean, they're just, they're very black and white things for me. But I'm just I'm trying to think of. I mean, I. I think hook, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, is what I'm gathering is I think hook is, I think a lot of people think of a hook, Connor, kind of like what you said with the hook first uppercut on how you want to classify that. Some people will just tr- turn the coin over on its side and kind of go which, 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 which whichever one's facing upward. Um, yeah. but I feel like the hook is like the general pu- power punch. It's like, oh, he, he, yeah, he fucking, he got him with a yeah. hook there. Like, is that what, is that what we're, we're sensing with these lists? Cause I, I, again, I'm not trying to, uh, maybe, you know, call maybe. out listeners I mean, or anything like that. I'm glad I, I love the, I love the, 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 I, I know a lot of these listeners and stuff. I love the participation. So hope y'all aren't taking it for that. This is an honest discussion just for, again, the, the greater, the greater audience here to kind of. Kind of here because this is one of one of the, you know one of, one of the few podcasts where we can talk about things. Of course, heavy hands being another one, but you know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm gathering from from, from the list. Um, let me finish out because he has some really good ones on here. Uh, well, he has Paul Daly, Scott Smith, of course, we talked about. But here's yeah. one that is a brutal one. If I wasn't if I wasn't such a weirdo about like putting things on my list that happen within six to twelve months, not that that's a rule or should be a rule, but that's kind of a weird weird thing I fall into. But Josh Emmett versus Ricardo Lamas. That's a, a brutal, mm. a brutal, 
uh, a brutal one, especially you know after effect as far as knockout. I like Ricardo Lamas a lot, so that's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a hard Same. one to watch. But uh, but but that that giving credit where credits due. That's a that's a great pick. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Uh, perfect left hook. So I guess if we had to compare it to one of the ones that was picked, like coming off the right hand, one guy gets lazy in the exchange and the other guy just comes off the right hand with the left hook, the way you're taught in boxing one one It's a really good combination left hook. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just going to run through, um, just, just the last on my list, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. I just had a Frank Yeager, Chad Mendez. I don't know if that one got mentioned. Um, it's a good one. I didn't see that coming, that's for sure. Uh, especially just what was more intriguing was hearing uh, Mark Henry's reaction to it when he said, he's like, I feel like if he tightens it up, he, he can be the faster guy inside. And if I were to stereotype, I would stereotype Mendez's athleticism to be like a no-go zone and trying to be the, mm-hmm. the faster guy in those exchanges. But fucking hats off to him. Yeah, like it's one of those things where like you, Frankie often looks a little kind of rote, like uh, just sort of mechanically moving through like preset combos. But I think it helped him there to maybe not be the more organic, more purely athletic fighter because mm-hmm. he was already moving into that left hook, just like the Emmett example. Like he was prepared to finish his combination while Mendez was still trying to kind of figure out what was happening next. Yep, yep. Uh, Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva one I, as a classic one, I would argue what you've seen yeah. in 62. Um, it, you know, uh, it, it, he had, uh, hit Uriah Hall with, with one real similar, uh, outside of the UFC. Uh, of course I, I, I tried to at least ban BJ Penn from my list cause I talk about him too much in general, but BJ <laughs> Penn versus Matt Hughes three was a, was a cool one where I, I like this knockout, uh, Connor, because he wasn't trying to. Uh, knock him out with a first or second punch. It was one of those classic things where you see a guy throw two to three punches, uh, or at least with the intention of at least two to three punches. But when you know, it's like that saying, like a golf swing. Like when you really hit the golf ball right, you don't feel you don't feel the connection with the ball at all. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's was, it was like one of those things where the power punch was the right cross, and BJ has a great right cross. He's got a great jab, but it was the connecting piece of the left hook that was the most punctuating piece of the three piece. Yeah, it didn't come off a combination, but I think the I think Edwards's hook has that same vibe, mm, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you just you connect with the punch, and it's like your hand. You're, it's like suddenly instead of hitting a guy's chin, you just tear through a piece of paper. It's like, whoosh, oh, that was perfect. I yeah. can feel it because I yep. barely felt anything. A, uh, a, a a hipster pick that I was touring with, but it wasn't as impressive when I was going back. But when I was doing my 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 research for uh, I did an article for ACB fifty back at. A couple years ago, and I was researching Oleg Borisov, and I was just blown away from his knockout of uh, Terrell Ragamoff at ACB 45. I just love little bulky guys that have knockout power. I mean, who doesn't? You know, when you just I sure it. as hell, I'm not even a hipster enough to know that pick. I don't. Th- I'm gonna have to find it out right now. This uh, Oleg Borisov is like essentially just like a little like a uh, uh, muscly. Uh, Muscly dude who used to fight at like 145, and he's like generously listed at like 5'4 or something. And he fought at 145, but he was just freakishly strong. Like, I don't think, I think it may have been judo and hand to hand combat. I don't think he was a sambo, or and he's definitely not a wushu sanda guy. He's just like a thick judo based guy, I could take you down, grapple, and pound you. Or, uh, I'm gonna throw like Tyson, he's very Tyson esque with his uh, stature, and he just overcommits to right hands that he doesn't care. He looks like he doesn't even give a shit if he lands them because he just wants to load into that left hook. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of those guys. David Tua-esque, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And this should be on YouTube, but uh, Terrell Ragamoff. And uh, 
And uh, I think it goes like two rounds or whatever. And he knocks him down like a couple times. Like he's just like a freak athletic dude. He's like just exploding all over the place. Like he'll do those like Granby wheels that almost look like a standing cartwheel at a certain point to, or you know, he'll rearrange his base midair like one of those kind of freak hip guys. But doesn't really doesn't do much with it. Doesn't really take many people down. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a really just you know seeing little bulky guys dead in somebody always you know it, it <laughs> makes me. Uh, not happy, but you know, it, it excites me. And another one that fits that. And also one you said earlier, as far as, uh, we, we, were, we were talking about, as far as the faces that the left hook make, makes you make is a John Lineker versus Brian Kelleher, a more recent one, oh. but Kelleher has that face. Like what the Kelleher already was dropped in that fight. Um, uh, a couple times, I think in fact, so it wasn't like he was surprised by his power or did not taste it or di- was not taken off his feet by it at that point. But that shot, he was just like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm fucking done. <laughs> like, that's what I read from the face. <laughs> like, after that third one of the third round, he's just like, all right, fuck it. I mean, you go through any any uh, amount of time in a John Lineker fight, you've got to feel that way when he finally knocks your ass flat, right? Like, yes, it's almost relief, but it's also like, all right, fine. That's the last one. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's a, that's a nasty one. That knocks off. Our top five hook KOs, please, uh, hit, you know, as far as this section go, uh, goes, so please hit us up, uh, which I'm sure you will with anything we miss, honestly. It's always, I actually, I actually like it because then a lot of times I'm going back and rewatching and, and just, uh, a little gem. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at Dan Tom MMA. And for Connor, it's at Boxing Bush, B U S C H. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Um, on, on, on that note, I'm gonna, be a bit of a be a bit of a shill here. I'm gonna give you guys a tip behind the cap to a promotion, uh, not a promotion. It's not a promotion at all. We're not getting paid for this at all. Uh, a little uh, a little fun we're gonna have on the, on the set, I guess, for MMA Junkie Radio next week. Obviously, UFC 229s in town. Conor McGregor. I'm sure. I'm sure most of you guys have heard of him, right? I guess that guy. And uh, he has a whiskey. And Conor, I gotta admit, I'm a fucking not a shill. I'm a a mark. That was the word I'm looking for. I am a mark. Um, like if George Mirosan Cologne, that's a deep NBA pull from the '90s. There, if that was real, I would have bought it. You know, like it doesn't have to be. In other words, that like Conor McGregor had a whiskey, and I would have bought it. Like, um, I'm trying to think of who's a who is who is. Uh, come on, God, help me out with this. Who's a a middleweight, perhaps? Uh, who's an unimpressive guy <laughs> that that would not be uh, the, the last person you would expect to 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 move move units on the shelf for you. <laughs> Uh, someone I wouldn't expect yeah, or, yeah. or somebody who, somebody who, if they put out something, I would buy it or, or no, no, just somebody who you would like be a terrible example. Like, you know, they had Michael Jordan cologne. So they did the, 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 uh, for the NBA back in the day. So they did George Mirasan cologne to make fun of it, which wasn't real, but he, George Mirasan was a very ugly seven foot, like five, like freak mutant looking of a man, like Tony Robbins emaciated, but stretched out. And it was just a very funny commercial because you're like, who would want to buy this guy's cologne? And they're like, is it, does it smell like Cabbage George? He's like, yeah, cheeks dig it. And it was this like kind of parody commercial back in the NBA heyday of commercials in the 90s. So like, I would probably buy some specialty Jan Blakovich potato yes. vodka. Yes. You know, that would I would probably shell out some cash for that. I could totally see it because I remember, and I'm sure uh, again, I'm speaking to a fellow. I can commiserate with a with a fellow. Uh, Worker of the, the the UFC fight pass and 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 <laughs> tracking down uh, miscellaneous fights, but 
I remember Gooden or somebody saying, Jan Blakovich likes to go pirate hunting on his spare time. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's going, <laughs> like, he, or he has to go treasure hunting on his spare time. Like, he goes, like, on boats and goes random locations and goes deep diving for of treasure. Of course he fucking does. And, of like, course. that's, like, a, I get, and he's like, he's like that, that's what he plans on doing and having some beers after this. And that was, like, one of his, like, is his things. And uh, I probably just offended my, my UK listeners there with that one. But uh, it was... Uh, it was a pretty uh, good accent, I thought. But thank you. But uh, I could totally picture, like, like an impromptu picture. Like, Jan probably took on one of those fishing, you know, uh, you know r- rummaging outings, you know. And then, and then hmm, this would be good to go on the front cover. Make the logo out of something like this. And it's fucking like, Jan Blockowitz, like, fucking hungover on a pirate ship. <laughs> that would... That, it's a long way to go for that yeah. description, but that's 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 what came to mind when you said that. Yeah, again, if if it was Young Blockwoods, guys, sorry, long way to go there. If it was Young Blockwoods, I would have bought this whiskey. So, um, I'm gonna give the Protect Your Neck podcast listeners a, a sneak peek. I guess it's not really fair because I feel rude because um, my co-host can't drink any. But Connor, when I brought it up over the uh, little commercial break, didn't seem like he'd be offended yeah. if I if I poured myself some. I don't know if that caught on the mic, but I'm trying to get yeah, get nice the, sound effects. Effect, the effect. Yeah, I'm more of a bourbon guy myself. Don't really know anything about Irish whiskey. Yeah, man. I mean, I we're gonna do the again. Connor called out uh, Jameson or whatever in the press conference. So our our take on it. So we're not just you know looking like uh, complete marks over here. We're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna test his word. We're gonna we're gonna do the old uh, 1980s taste test for people who aren't familiar. The 1970s and 80s. I felt like there was a wave of taste tests where they were like, we have soda A versus soda X. And mm-hmm. they would add the generic brand soda versus Pepsi, and they would want you to say Pepsi is better, right? And you're supposed to be getting real testimonials. So I don't know who we're having um, as far as – there will be a lot of – I imagine there's going to be a lot of fighters and stuff in studio, but uh, or, this, or in town, I mean, for the fights. But we're going to do uh, Jameson in one, and we're going to do Proper 12 in the other, and we're going to see if they can taste the difference. So if it's really bad, uh, <laughs> well, and it's not going to be very good publicity for Mr. Gregor. But uh, <laughs> Gregor, well, I'm going to get ahead of it right now and see how it tastes. Huh? Ah, the notes are I'm just kidding. I am not that guy. <laughs> I'm more of like Connor said, I'm more of a bourbon guy. Like bullet bourbon is usually just my go-to because, uh, it's, it's not too expensive, but it's something I can get my palate used to and, and not be disappointed that the places aren't going to have, you know, when you go out places. See, I'm a real man of the people. It's usually Evan Williams for me. Evil willies, evil willies. <laughs> that is, oh, that is evil willies is that's my metal days right there. I mean, you know, you know, you're down. talking evil to willies. a middleweight MMA fan when you go for like the highest brow, cheapest hell choice. Oh yeah. That I'm real hooked awesome. on anything that is like very uh, budget friendly, but surprisingly okay. And for me, that's EW. Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a, I'm a bourbon or I like I like Scotch, like, like Johnny Walker Black, like blended Scotches, uh, Old Bound 14. I, I gotta so I gotta try some out. Someone gave me some good recommendations. Sorry, no further ado. I'm gonna give this a try. I was letting. I don't know if it's wine or beer or maybe all alcohol. You gotta let it air out. Again, the, yeah, not, not a very educated people person here giving you the. Uh, the taste test, but here it goes. Better breathe. I'll commentate. Dan right now is giving what's called the Kentucky Chew, coating his palate in proper twelve. And oh, I think he's ready to give his notes. Hmm. Well, I heard rumors about this as I, as I gave yeah. this interview that it was a bit light, and I was kind of worried about that because I am somebody who doesn't need my whiskey, scotch, or bourbon light. In fact, tip to you youngsters out there. 
if you ever want to, not that you should strive to get a compliment from the bartender or anything, but you just want to not be in the bartender's hair. And you, I imagine anybody ordering a drink has never gotten a compliment. The only time I've ever gotten a compliment for ordering drinks is when I order uh, my normal, which is like a bourbon or a whiskey neat. Because A, the bartender doesn't have to do a lot, and they appreciate mm-hmm. that. And it also shows that you know how to drink and you, you know how to enjoy um, your alcohol. So I was a little worried about that. Like we were talking about earlier, Connor, the price point, which what you were saying was smart. And I agree. You know, you're going to want... Somebody, you know, get your hands on it. You don't want to outsell it and be all, you know, step on the scene like you're, you're, you're top shit. You know, let's, let's just make something everybody can enjoy. Mm-hmm. But this is light. This is this is a little bit light. I'm getting the warmingness. It's it, it's nice. It's really smooth, and I, I don't mind it. But I almost again maybe because I'm, I'm more of a, a hardcore palate, and I'm just used to just you know a bunch of different whiskey, scotches, and drinking them neat. That this is kind of. Mm. <laughs> A bit light, but very drinkable. Yeah, I, I don't think people are really going to complain about it, but uh, I don't know who said it, but I could see that I, I'm going to co-sign with whoever that was. It is a bit, uh, it is a bit light in the pants, which is uh, <laughs> not the image you think of, you know, uh, maybe so much with Conor McGregor, the way he likes to hold himself these days and pose for pictures, but mm. yeah. Pink panty night. Light in the pants. Yeah, pink, a, pink, a, a, a pink out of red panties is my rating, Conor, if that makes sense. <laughs> not fully saturated red. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, you probably are appreciating that you're drinking in neat, right? Like with a little ice or a little soda or something, you feel like it would be too light for your taste? Definitely too uh, too light. Like I said, if, if, if it's, I've, I've never had that complaint, or not even complaint, I've never had that observation about um, any of the whiskeys I drink, and uh, for one. And, uh, and yeah, so I can only uh, imagine, it, uh, imagine it mixed. And I'm even drinking it in one of those, like, proper – I'm super hipster right now. I'm actually drinking one of those proper whiskey glasses that uh, mm-hmm. really gets the – the notes to, to, to expand once they hit the air in front of you. And it's it pretty much just looks like a weird little potion glass um, that kind of divots in like uh, one of those things they're trying to make. The, what's, what's her face was trying to make before the ghost of Patrick Swayze fucks her up in the movie Ghost? <laughs> it looks like that, but smaller. Like that's what a whiskey, like a proper whiskey glass looks like. Yeah, and, yeah. So it's supposed to intensify the notes and the smell and like, like, if, like it almost feels like you're about to drink some gasoline. Your, your nose gets overtaken when you get the glass close to your face, right? I didn't get any of that with this. So this is a. Uh, hmm. There, I think he's cutting his product, uh, just like the old uh, the old cocaine trick there. <laughs> Again, it's it's maybe a good idea because I'm willing to bet there are a lot of people who will buy this purely because Conor McGregor's name and face is associated with it. But it will, and also, like, I guarantee you of this, a lot of people who don't really like whiskey, but certainly want to be known as people who drink whiskey, so they'll probably like it. You know, like a, I think is so. it, yeah, it is a fairly sense, drinkable. Yeah. It's just a very palatable. Uh, sounds like a very palatable, easy to drink whiskey. Which, yeah, Irish people like Guinness anyway. Which sure as hell doesn't taste like most stouts. So maybe that's what they prefer. I don't know. All right. Well, proper twelve isn't paying me enough to take up my precious, uh, <laughs> precious time slot here. We only got to buy about like a roughly ten minutes left here, Connor. And I, I, I didn't want to leave anybody hanging with a just. Just we'll just touch maybe on the top. The top fights on UFC 206, maybe uh, just just Higo Pico, Lima Korshkov, Silva Jackson, and Musasi McDonald. Maybe just 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 quick thoughts and a and a pick from each of us, and uh, we'll get on out of here. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Um, I guess uh, Aaron Pico and Higo. It's funny. I I, I wrote up uh, my article for Leandro Higo's last fight. And I didn't even watch it because um, that's the state of MMA. It is now. I think what it does to a lot of us people that work in the media of some sort, where we—that's <laughs> the truth. Yeah, we fold up the paper airplanes, right, and then we we send them out, 
and we don't really watch the whole journey of it hitting the ground. We kind of just go on to the next thing because that's all there's time for these days. Yeah, you can't keep up, man. <laughs> but uh, but he is a much more experienced uh, fighter, obviously, going against Aaron Pico. Yet Aaron Pico heavily favored to win. I did end up going with Aaron Pico on my staff picks over there for a junkie. But uh, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Higo gets an upset here. Uh, were you surprised? Are you surprised just hearing that offhand of the odds? Are they are? I, I'll put it this way. As soon as I heard the odds, I placed a bet on Leandro Ego, but yeah. I also picked Aaron Pico. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah. that was about what I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, Pico's just like, I just feel like Ego's the kind of fighter he's going to give <laughs> Pico those early chances that he takes advantage of. Uh, you know, like he's a little passive early. Uh, tends to like to get a read in his opponent. And mm-hmm. Pico is like a phenomenal athlete, but also like it is heartening. He's just been mopping up. The thing is, it, it, we don't know anything about him, how he responds to any kind of adversity, yeah. nothing. Uh, all we know is that he can at least learn from truly fatal mistakes, like just running into a punch and then a submission in his first fight. He's not been that crazily overconfident or reckless. I assume he's going to treat ego with a lot more respect um, as like a further step up than he did his first pro opponent. So, yeah, I, I agree. And last thing I guess I'll just say on that is like, yeah, like he go, I, I agree with that. He, he likes to take his time to figure things out, but I still feel like Higo is figuring himself out and I haven't quite seen a limited sample size granted, at least when you go toward the more relevant part of his career, I haven't quite seen that, that schooling moment where like, you know, it, 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 you're going to place a rookie with him and go, oh, this rookie makes a mistake. Just one mistake. Watch out. I'm, yeah. not, necessar- I'm not necessarily there with Higo yet. I, th- I think he's still trying to get, get, get to yeah. where, where he wants to be. But It's, it's kind of hard to say what he's like best at, like what's his standout skill or his, his special move or whatever. But still, like, what is Pico? Is he still like 600, 700 minus favored to win? Like, uh, it, right now. You know, like Pico is still, he's still, he's three and one against opponents who have not fought any, anybody really. And, uh, ego for all you can say about that, he has a very respectable, uh, like regional type record. He's fought a lot of, uh, just well put together guys. And he's basically like a good generalist and he fights that have a good camp Pitbull brothers MMA. So, yep. Uh, minus 500, by the way, Aaron Pico currently Leandro, that's uh, crazy to me. Plus 400. Yeah. Um, all right, next fight, obviously a sleeper fight for the hardcores. Uh, know what's up, but Douglas Lima plus 125, Andre Korshkov minus 145. Do you, I guess, do you agree with that line, Connor? And uh, what do you thought? Any, any, any thoughts or pick on the fight? What, what was the line again? Sorry. We got uh, the favorite is Andre Korshkov at minus 145 with a comeback on Douglas Lima plus 125. Why is that? I wonder. Um, because Lima lost his last fight and Korishkov didn't, but also, I guess in the last time these guys met, you know, like one of them, speaking of devastating left yeah. hooks, uh, one of them was murdered and it wasn't, it wasn't Douglas Lima. Right. It sucks that this is a sleeper fight of the card. I hadn't thought of it like that, but to me, this is like the fight of the main card. This, this is like two guys at the top of their game in a rubber match that, uh, yeah, up to this point, each of them has pretty much decisively won one. So, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like Douglas Lima, like I think hardcore kind of put, uh, help, you know, put, put them on their shoulders and really help get him his push in more recent years. Whereas Korshkov is at that point where he could really use it, especially if you look mm-hmm. at his last, the last like, two matchups they gave him, like they weren't doing him exactly any favors. Um, 
Uh, so, you know, but, but I, I, on second look, my initial thought was yours, but on second look, I kind of agree with the line though. It's, 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 it's a pick them to me, honestly, at the end of the day, but I kind of oh, yeah. agree with the line in the sense of you look at Korshkov was able to mix it up with wrestling. You could argue, well, he caught Lima off guard. Lima made s- s- some adjustments, but you could still argue that, uh, the rounds were on Korshkov's side, maybe the but the momentum wasn't. So it, 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 it's hard takeaways if you're just looking at their fights. But I actually ended up picking Korshkov here um, just because, in general, I don't know where, where you line up with this, or maybe this is you have a completely different read on the fight or disagree with, with the stereotype, which I don't, I don't, I don't mind. But uh, when you have a power, a low volume power punching guy, even if he has a specialty, you know, in multiple facets, not just striking, not just grappling, so to speak. But versus a volume guy who's going to work, um, as long as the volume guy doesn't have a really suspect chin, uh, you know, I, 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 I tend to, to favor the, the pace and pressure guy, especially in a sample size of two matchups where he learned the lesson. Of, oh yeah, I better stick to that pace and pressure and grappling and, and mixing things up more. I don't know. That was kind of my my read or my. No, take. I don't think. I don't think. Again, I, I agree. This is like a it's a pick'em kind of fight. Uh, these guys are one and one, and uh, again, each has won fairly decisively. And also, you're looking at Douglas Lima. You are looking at a fighter for all of his great skills and his great physical talents, who cannot wrestle. So yes. yeah, <laughs> like the mere fact that Korishkov can hit a snatch single or a reactive shot if he's being pressured or whatever. Like yeah, he has the opportunity that Lima does not have to decide where this fight goes. Yeah. Uh, but to me, um, I think it's a lot of times who wins a fight and who, who, who comes out on top in a, in a matchup between two fighters is who gets to feel more comfortable and, you know, more at home in, in how the fight is playing out. Uh, a good strategy is a strategy that makes your opponent uncomfortable, that sort of gets in their head or forces them to get inside their own head. And uh, Koroshkov can certainly throw more volume in everything, but... Uh, I think there's a, there's a huge sort of attritional advantage on Lima's side here because mm. he's, a, he's a well-schooled fighter. He's got good technique, throws good combinations. Uh, he's got pretty good defense, uh, underrated, I would say, and he's very, very good at counterpunching. Um, so that makes it really dangerous to throw volume if your plan is to back him up and fight him in the pocket. Yeah. And the reason that Koroshkov ended up getting knocked out last time is because he was doing that. And the reason he was doing that is because when he wasn't, Lima was destroying his leg with low yes. kicks. Yes, yes. Uh, he yeah. had to either take him down, which he did in the second round, and may have won that round, even though in that round he was clearly like almost already operating on one leg. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, like in the third round, he had to pressure because that's what you do when a guy's chewing you up with kicks. You got to make him move backwards and don't let him get the kicks off. Yep. I I just feel like uh, Lima's power combined with his like timing and skill and his composure. He's an ice cold kind of fighter. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a little more at home and and uh, whereas like Koroshkov is going to be fighting a little more at his behest. Like there's going to be certain yes. ways he has to fight. Whereas I don't know. No, I, I agree. That's a, that's a great take, and and I, I agree with that. You picked a better word uh, that I probably should have used. Attrition. That's a much better word. Yeah, I said the momentum was arguably going in um, Lima's yeah. favor, and yeah, that's why you're right because the the attrition of those of those leg kicks. And if it were a five round fight, I would have picked Lima for this one. But I think another factor for me was that it was a three round fight. This this is a five round fight, I believe. It is. Yeah, it's Holy kind of a shit. big part of why okay. I'm picking Lima. Holy fuck! All of wow. the. Uh, 
I'm a dumbass. If I'm not mistaken, all, right. all of the welterweight Grand Prix fights are five rounds, which I love, oh, by man. the way. That's awesome. No, that's great. I, I, I'm totally. I remember this in the announcement. Now, yes, I'm a dumbass, though, and. Uh, no, I was I, I, I was more worried about Bellator doing their normal thing where they are they really gonna make fucking Jackson and Silva the headlining fight and like, I was more thinking along those lines. Holy shit! It's too late to change my junkie staff pick. Oh well, get him Korshkov, get him, buddy. Uh, yeah, right, I right. like I like the fact that Lima can afford to burn around basically yes, right, while yeah. is still having more attrition uh, over the whole fight. So. I, w- I was gonna say I agree with you there, and I would change my pick of it, but I'll, I'll stick to my guns. But uh, to your point Respect. though, in a three in a three round fight, I trust. Lima less to make adjustments, and I trust Korshkov yeah. more to do the no-brainer move. Whereas in a five-round fight, yeah, you're right. I trust Lima to outlast whatever decisions they both make in the beginning and to come out with a second decision um, in the later frames of the fight. All right, yeah. uh, Vanderlei Silva, just, just real quick, plus 240 underdog, uh, Quentin Jackson, minus 280. I don't even think the, the lines really matter <laughs> for this fight, uh, much less the opinion. Do you have anything to say about this fight, Connor? <laughs> I don't know. I think... I, my vague feeling is that Rampage has fallen off less than Vanderlei, but also like the weird thing about Vanderlei is it's hard to actually look at his fighting style now and say how it is actually different in any way from the way he's always fought. <laughs> like he's was always chinny, was always wild, you know, was was always getting into reckless, crazy brawls, was never that technical of a wrestler. It's like he's kind of the same dude, but. Uh, that's why Rampage beat him in their third fight, finally, right? He hit yep. him with that lovely hook because he kind of had adapted his game by that point. And Vanderlei came over to the UFC uh, maybe chemically disadvan- disadvantaged compared to their first two <laughs> fights. <laughs> uh, but certainly, like in every other way, the same dude trying to do the same things yep. and just get to a brawl until he ended up winning. And I don't know. I think Rampage is going to be a little tighter, a little more controlled. And also will have the option, being still freakishly strong, to use his wrestling if he wants. Yep, yep, I, I, I agree there. I won't, I won't add anything to that. Uh, lastly, Gegard Mousasi minus two seventy. Roy McDonald plus two thirty. Um, again, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the fight. I can't disagree with the line, although I guess if I would argue anything, though, it is not really worth arguing. Um, I think it's going to be a a fairly competitive fight if if it, mm-hmm. if, if it indeed stays on the feet. If these guys is a defensive uh, grappling or improved defensive grappling acumen holds up to what we like to think it is on paper, but um, but yeah, I'm essentially picking um, Musasi here to simplify, it, but not oversimplify. It. Not necessarily um, just because of the size, but more because of being able to deal with the, uh, seeing him against a more versatile style of a, a, opponent. Um, but there are some things that worry me as far as it feels like Musasi has been overdue to be jumping off a cliff here. Um, you, I, I haven't seen too many chinks of his armor as far as him slowing down, but it, it, there's almost a theme to it. Um, again, I don't want to, I don't want to pick too hard on his, on his, uh, Shilmenko fight, but even before that, even in successes, it just feels like the cliff is coming near. Am I wrong for feeling that? What's your thoughts on this, Connor? I, I'm, I'm on the same boat. Like, uh, that's actually a big part of the reason why I ended up going with McDonald the okay. first time. And like, like you, even when I, I start to second guess and regret, once I've made my first public pick, I have to stick with my right. guns. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I agree. Like, uh, a really notable example to me was the Weidman fight. Uh, mm. Weidman didn't look good. He got tired really fast. Yep. And, uh, of course, Musasi won. But if you know Musasi as like this, uh, 
weird but surprisingly deft striker with a great jab and all that, his striking kind of looked like shit in that fight, didn't it? Like, he didn't seem to understand the distance. Like, he, he seemed really unsure of the range. He was getting popped and yeah. surprised by lots of jabs and things uh, and missing and swinging wildly and just falling out of his stance. And, like, he's always had a little bit of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I almost had the feeling, like, maybe the reason he's finally learned to wrestle um, and, and offensively as well as defensively, his wrestling has really improved in, like, the last three or four years is that he's not as comfortable outstriking people anymore. Mm, that's an interesting uh, take on it. That's a very Just sort of a, a vague feeling. But I've been feeling the same thing. Like, the Schlemenko fight wasn't a good look, but even before then it was like, this isn't as good as I remember it being, this this boxing game of his. Now that you're saying it, yeah. I mean, even... Um, I don't One, I don't think Musashi in Force days would have looked the same in cer- certain situations of that Wyman fight. And also, to be fair, uh, uh, I would argue, I mean, not, not the same level, but he was, it's not like he wasn't facing guys who had wrestling in their back pocket or grappling threats in their back pocket where he had to keep a respect to that as far as, you know, uh, paying homage to the, the classic, oh, well, he was worried about the wrestling. Yeah, that's what yeah, made yeah, the striking yeah. fall. You know, but I, I actually like that take. I haven't heard that before, and that's, that's, that's a real interesting take on it, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I ended up going with Musasi. I'm. This is. I mean, it sounds like such a cop out, I know, but honestly, guys, this is one of those fights where I'm. I just want to watch it. It feels like. Yeah, it feels like those. Those. The, it feels like what. What. What boxing has been. You know, uh, giving us or trying to give us in the past decade with its matchups, where you're bringing guys from different classes, but they're. It's so tightly matched. You're. You're. You're intrigued to the techniques and the narratives, and not so much the narratives have to deal with the weight or the size, which I like. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, like I'm 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 interested to see how Rory looks like filled out at middleweight, not cutting weight. Maybe he'll be a little more durable. But if we're talking about guys like falling off after like long overdue after really long hard careers, like McDonald's been having his issues lately too. So uh, especially with taking damage. So I think it's like. There's, it feels like there's a lot on the line. It's two guys who are still close enough to their to the tops of their games that they still feel like two of the very best in the world. Uh, it's a great main event, man. At this Bellator card is feeling very refreshing with all the UFC I've been slavishly covering the past year. So yeah. I'm really I'm amped for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you there, buddy. Uh, s- s- subtones and texts and all, and and I uh, know honestly I, I am hyped for it. All right. Yeah. Last note. Uh, last note before we get out of here. I just wrote down MMA purge, and I, I think because when I was looking at Bellator and UFC, can yeah. we like count the free weekends now that are Bellator and UFC free? We can count them on one hand per calendar year now, right? Like we've gotten to that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we have two weekends in a row without UFC after two twenty nine, and it's like it's it's the worst. It's like being an addict because I don't. I'm happy about it, but I'm right. also like, what am I gonna be? What am I gonna do? Me too. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean, man. Like again, this is one of the but few. I hate it, but I need it. We could have a whole another two-hour podcast, which is what this is going to end up being. When the time I cut <laughs> it, but uh, we can have a whole another two-hour podcast. And me and Connor just commiserating on probably what it's been like for our different shares of having to write previews, which I, thankfully seem to be less and less of demand for. Which I know I shouldn't say because I love, I love, I love my job and whatnot. But uh, I'm sure we could commiserate on, on many things. Of uh, and again, not not complaining. We love, of course, we love, we we love this sport and or this, you know, art, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But uh, but yeah, that, that, that's funny, man. I, I wrote MMA Purge though, Connor, because I was just like, you know, I feel like 
the weekends are becoming so few now where the UFC and Bellator are trending because Bellator is picking up its schedule, in case you all haven't noticed. They're doing kind of similar model to a smaller scale, the UFC, and, of course, picking their off weekends. So us that are looking, f- the few of us that are looking forward to the off UFC weekends, like, oh, wait, we got Bellator this weekend. I feel like on the rare weekends, Connor, you can tell me where you stand on this. There should be an MMA purge. And now this goes for fans, fighters, organizations, and promoters. They can organize their battles however they want, but every weekend that there is no major MMA, I know you guys will be like, what about one in Resident? Okay, I, I get you. I, get you. I, I love you guys too, but I'm just, if there's not a major MMA promo, uh, promotion going on on a weekend, I feel like there should be an MMA purge. No rules. No rules. The promoters can command their fighters and their organizations. They can, they can, they can have red alert-like type of wars if you want. They can strategize. I don't care. We need to have some kind of MMA. Per- I feel like it'll cut down the numbers. Now, we will lose some good fighters. We will lose some good fans that we like talking to on Twitter, Connor. But I feel like we're going to lose more shitty ones. You know what I'm saying? Am I wrong yeah. there? Am I, am I that jaded? Have I lost it? Have I gone well, Waco in the MMA sense now? Or, 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 or do, do you feel me on this? The hit can't be too bad because, as you said, like we get, we're, we're going to get like one truly MMA free weekend this year. So you know, yeah, just go fucking crazy, right? It can't hurt that. It can't make that big of a dent. Yeah, by like 2022, we might back. We, we might be back to the golden era as far as like manageable MMA to watch. You know. <laughs> You think the solution is not that like the UFC should not have such an overwhelming roster uh, or such a like aggressive marketing uh, model, but really that there's just there's just too many fighters available. Just like kill fifty percent of them. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine this? I mean, the next time UFC goes to Singapore for the next show, they have to look over their shoulders for the fucking one FC crew. Like, like it's like it's like it's like the Jets and Sharks and shit from uh, <laughs> West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that, actually. Man, I'm on board with that. And you know what? Uh, when Dana White and Scott Coker fight, do it in the Yama pit. All right? Oh, Do it for man. real. And by the way, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I think people would be like, uh, they would put like, you know, like, you're talking about like, you know, they put like guys like Dana White, or I know Karadoff's not technically a promoter, though you could argue the, the lines that he crosses, like a Karadoff, you know, or Kataroff, sorry. You, you would argue these guys would be like tough, tough maybe, maybe tougher guys. I would argue Scott Coker, probably a tough guy to submit. He looks like he sweats a lot. And his body shape. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if there's a prop for like not by submission or whatever, like I'm taking that prop for a Scott Coker fight, you know? Yeah, but you can't choke out Dana White. Not only the thickest neck in the game, but also. <laughs> Those shirt collars are big for a reason. Yeah, that shout is out natural to Smoogie. armor. Yeah, yes. Smoogie's tweets on the shirt collars have been killing me. Oh my god, it like it reopened a world that I don't. It, it felt like the like when somebody pointed out to me that there's a guy taking a rip off a joint uh, in the Just Bleed gif. I'm like, how did I not notice this before? Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm going to have to edit this for what will probably be our longest episode of the Protecting Neck Cast Con. But it was worth it. Thank you. I, I, I didn't even ask my, my, my guess if he had a hard out, but hopefully he didn't because he was a fucking trooper and stayed for, for, the, for, for all of it. So thank you, Connor, for, for joining me for this episode, man. Yeah, I had a good time. Before I, before I dip, I know I'm extending it further, but... Um, no, please, please you, go. You're good. Uh, heavy Hands. People should go mm-hmm. listen to Heavy yes. Hands. This week's episode of Heavy Hands was officially the last one that'll be on Bloody Elbow because they're doing their whole crazy uh, switch up with their video programming. So all of the confusing changes, if you follow what's going on Bloody Elbow, uh, among them is Heavy Hands no longer being on that site. So you can find it if you 
are used to listening to that show on YouTube, or if you would like to find it on YouTube, in future on the Connor Rebush YouTube channel. And I will let you stumble through that spelling as best you can. I think YouTube does a pretty good job of suggesting it. But you can also find it on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. Or you can just go to, I guess it's heavyhands.libsyn.com if you want to go right to the source. But every week, technical MMA discussion. Check us out. Yeah, I was late to that news. I just actually saw that like today, uh, the change. Yeah. I think I remember seeing Zane tweet about something like that. But yeah, I actually went ahead and retweeted that link that Connor is talking about. So another thing you can do is, for those of you listening to this, you're probably already following me. Go to that link, uh, and that's where you can do it all at the same time. You can go through the Patreon, hit their links, subscribe to their podcast, and, of course, give Connor a follow. Uh, two birds with one stone there. Uh, but, but yes, yes, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for plugging that. And is there anything else you want to plug before we get out of here, Connor? Nah, not really. I had a good time. Thank you for inviting me, man. Dude, this was awesome, man. Uh, hopefully we can chat about fights again. Um, again, uh, uh I always appreciate uh, your work and contributions to the scene. I guess we'll call it, uh, yeah, fuck sport. We'll call it a scene. Uh, to the scene, <laughs> if you will. And it uh, was on, honestly a real honor and pleasure to have you on here. So, so thanks, Connor. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. Uh, have fun if you're watching Bellator this week. We'll be back next week for some preview shows. There's going to be a lot of people in town, so I don't, don't want to commit to a date. I might want to try to get a guest or two. I won't tip it ahead in case I don't do it, and I just won't deliver on it. But uh, I'm trying to get something something extra for you next week, I guess I'll just say. So so stay tuned for that. Um, good luck if you are making any picks and plays, you degenerate savages and sons of biatches out there. And, of course, always protect... Yeah,